All right, here we go, everybody. Welcome, episode number 50. That's right, we've made it all the way to 50, the half century mark. Episode number 50 of Sports Cards Live. Pretty excited about this one, I gotta say. Uh, it's been a long time coming, working hard to get here. Happy to be here, happy to have you all here watching. Happy to have Jordan Hagedorn joining me tonight for the 50th episode. Before we get to all that though, as always, I do want to thank, I mean, it's, it's appropriate right now to thank all 60 guests that have joined me along the way. We've had a few episodes with more than one person on it, so I want to thank all those guests along the way. But in particular, I want to thank our guest from last Wednesday, Adam, the Real 27 guy, the editor-in-chief at Basketball Card Fanatic. Be sure you check that out. Check out the episode. Check out his magazine. All the information on how to check it out is in the last episode or the last Wednesday's episode. That was number 48. I also want to thank my guest from last Saturday, John Newman of Sports Card Nation and Hobby Hotline. Awesome hobby guy, long-term, old-school guy. We had a great conversation. Thanks to him. I also want to thank Colin Murray, who joined me on After Hours last Saturday. That was a lot of fun as well. Check out all those episodes, guys. This is number 50, the last 49 episodes and all the episodes of After Hours. They live on the YouTube channel. You can see them all there. And I understand these episodes are long. If you're just coming across the channel and you're seeing that these things are two hours long, I get it. They're long. But I ask you to consume them in chunks. Take it piece by piece. YouTube will always remember where you left off. This coming Saturday, Jake Roy of 90s baseball, sorry, of 90s b-ball cards, the, the hit YouTube show. He, he will be joining me. We're going to have a great conversation. Next Wednesday, the CEO of the fractional interest company Collectible, Ezra Levine, will be joining me. I want to welcome all new viewers tonight. If you're new to the show, thank you for joining. Thank you to Jordan for bringing new viewers to the show. It's greatly appreciated. Almost, uh, or sorry, just past the 1,100 subscriber mark. So if you haven't yet subscribed, please do. Greatly appreciate it. So at the end of the show, we're going to be doing card of the day. We're going to be doing the sports card live five segments. So you won't want to miss those. Stick around for those or check them out later. Whenever you do it, we'll be doing those tonight. As always, your comments and your questions are in play. So do not be shy. All right. Here we go. Tonight's guest. He got his start in the hobby in 1994 with score football cards he collected until the year 2000 when he left for 14 years returning in 2014, and has been going strong ever since. He's a huge Packers fan. He met his hero, Brett Favre, at the age of 10 and attended his first Packers game when he was 12 years old. He has a marketing agency. He's an NFL player agent, and his first client was Chiefs kicker Harrison Butker, who scored the winning goal, the winning field goal a couple weeks ago during the game. He runs a hobby podcast called For the Hobby. He is a Brett Favre super collector. We're going to see more on that later. Hailing from Eau Claire, Wisconsin, let's bring him out. My man, Jordan Hagedorn. How are you doing tonight, my friend? Doing well, Jeremy. Thanks for having me, man. It's uh, it's an honor. That's quite the intro, man. It's, uh, it's a long intro. I know you're you're the most well prepared man in the hobby. I, I appreciate that, dude. I'm uh, the, those intros. It's kind of new. I got some great advice from uh, an awesome viewer recently who gave me some tips on how to kind of improve the show a little bit. And I, I took it, I took him, I took him up on it and I've been, been trying to implement some, implement some of these tips along the way. And that was one of them. So I hope, I hope you enjoyed it. I sure do. It's a lot of fun to write it. And it's a lot of fun to deliver it. So that, that's awesome. Thank you. So listen, we're going to start right off because I know you're going to answer this question with some passion. How did you first fall in love with sports cards? Well, like most people love cards as a kid. So 
uh, you fall in love with the team. Usually it's a local team for, for me, it was the Packers, Brewers, Bucks, those teams. And uh, Brett Favre had just taken over for the Packers. So I've told this story many times, but uh, 1994, I was nine years old and Brett came in and, and him and Barry Sanders and Jerry Rice. And, and I just love football more than anything. Um, and so my, my parents uh, would go get groceries and they say, if you, uh, if you help bring in the groceries, carry the groceries into the house, we'll buy you a pack of cards. And I, I found 1994 score at the grocery store and was searching for Favre. And Marshall Falk was really who I was looking for too as a rookie. Um, and, and that kind of kickstarted things. And, and from there, discover more cards and, and would go to card shops and card shows. And um, it was just, I mean, Brett Favre was a big catalyst. And then from there, you discover guys like Griffey and Jordan and Shaquille O'Neal. And um, I mean, the 90s was the greatest era, in my opinion, of all time for sports, sports culture and cards. So um, like most people listening, uh, the kids, uh, you know, kids of that era just loved cards. And, and so that's how it got started in 1994. Man, that, that's great. I mean, I, I remember that era well, you know, and the athletes that came out of there are, they're legends now. They're iconic. You know, a lot of people, we, we think about vintage stars and icons and you, you know, a lot of people would refer to the Mickey Mantles, the, the Julius Irvings, the, the Bobby Orr's, you know, there's, there's uh, nowadays the Derek Jeter's, the Ken Griffey Juniors, right? The the Michael Jordans, of course. Those are those are the iconic heroes of today. Before we move along and we get into talking about just how awesome our hobby is, I want to talk about how awesome is LeBron James making his tenth finals appearance. And I understand to everybody watching right now. Hopefully, you've got the game on on mute somewhere else, and you're listening to us and watching us with volume. But uh, how awesome is LeBron James, man? Like, what is he doing? Unbelievable. So I actually graduated the same year as LeBron in 2003. So I watched him when I was a junior for him to play on TV and he was, you know, Tomahawk dunking uh, on ESPN two, and, and he was just dominant, you know, and, and the most hype athlete of our lifetime, in my opinion, cover of sports illustrated at, at 16 years old. And then he has now exceeded that hype. And so I, you know, I wanted to share a few of these. I have a few raw tops rookies. This is the first rookie I remember let me focus that in for you. Um, you know, when in 2003, when when he signed a deal with Upper Deck and then a bunch of his rookie cards came out, uh, it's unbelievable. So for him to be in his 10th finals, you know, with three different teams, super impressive. Uh, the, the GOAT debate, you know, remains between him and Jordan. But um, to see his rise, not only in the game of basketball, but to bring a lot of guys around in the game and then to see his cards explode in the hobby is just, you know, other than Jordan, I don't know if we've seen anything like this. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you know, you, I, I think we could mention Kobe in that uh, trio, but I don't think that, you know, it seems to me the GOAT discussion, it, it's it's squarely between MJ and LeBron, and Kobe gets a few honorable mentions from certain people. But very quickly, where do you fall on the GOAT discussion? Are you Do you take one side over the other, or how do you feel? I do. It's, it's Michael Jordan. Okay. Yeah, no, that's it. And that we don't need to get we're not here to talk about that, but I just wanted to know where you stand. All right, man. We're gonna we're gonna start talking about we talk about how awesome LeBron is. We're gonna start talking about how awesome this hobby is. But before we do, let's see who we have here with us. Let's welcome the viewers. This is episode 50. I'm pretty excited. So I want to say hello to everybody. We've got Blaine Midfin in the house. Good luck, fellas. Thank you, and welcome to the show. Blaine Legion in the house as always. Welcome to you, Dave Jones. Good evening to you. Yam, glad to see you as always. Matt Golden Boy Stern, head to head with the NBA Finals, may hurt your ratings. It's funny, someone made a comment out there today on Facebook uh, on I think Jordan's post that, uh, oh, I just noticed that we're right smack in the middle of the NBA Finals. Well, 
I'll tell you, this show was scheduled before the NBA finals were scheduled. So maybe they are right in the smack middle of Sports Cards Live. I don't know. But uh, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm sure they got me beat. Anyway, Brent Terman, congrats on 50, Jeremy. Keep bringing the heat. Thank you so much, Brent. Will do. Thank you, Dave Jones. This is the big 5-0. Dustin, great to see you, man. Great to see you. Hello to you. Brian Palmer, ahoy, gentlemen. Congrats on 50. Thank you so much, Brian. Glenn, great content. Well worth the watch. Greatly appreciate it. Yes, Dustin. Jordan is a big Favre fan. You guys would get along great. Jake, welcome to the show. Jake will be my guest on the show soon. I think it's this coming Saturday, actually. Jake will be with me Saturday. Terry Fortune, welcome to the show. Legion, 50 episodes. I think you've been here for every single one of them, Legion. Thank you to you very much. Colin, great to see you again. My guest on After Hours on Saturday. Blaine says, you guys are in for a treat tonight. Jordan is the man. There you go. I could have told you that too, but it's great to have it corroborated by Blaine. Thank you, Blaine. The Card Collector, welcome to the show as always now. Yam, Eau Claire, home of Bon Iver and Jordan Hagedor. Not too bad. Not too shabby. Hey, Jordan? Not too shabby. Wilt Chamberlain. Wilt Chamberlain. Yeah, another, another legend who, <laughs> I think you're talking about the legend discussion earlier, uh, Card Collector. Yes, sir, he was certainly a legend. J.S. Dagenet, NBA final and your show at the same time. Can't ask for a better Wednesday evening. Well, J.S., thank you so much. Welcome to the show. Mike Davis, my local man. Great to see you, buddy. Mike Davis runs Eastridge Sports Cards here in Calgary, Alberta. Mike, welcome to the show. Carlos, good buddy of mine who's been on After Hours a couple times. Carlos, welcome, guys. Check out his YouTube channel because I'm Carlos. Jeff McMahon, welcome to the show. Good evening to you. And uh, anonymous Facebook user, I'm sure I know you, but I can't tell who you are by this comment. Welcome to the show, and thank you for the happy 50th uh, messages. I greatly appreciate it. So, Jordan, you know, we we chatted last night, and we, 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 we could have gone on for a lot longer than we did. I'm sorry I had to run when I did. But, you know, um, I think the one thing that we agree on completely is that we love this hobby both of us we're both very passionate about it uh, it's great to have another real passionate collector on with me for number 50 uh, and we kept on saying how awesome the hobby it is so on my notes right now I've got a topic a topic with some points underneath it the topic is the hobby is awesome so that's the name of this next segment everybody and I think there, there's a few things we want to talk about but Jordan you made a few awesome points to me and I wanted you to elaborate on them for the for the for the viewers because it's a great symbol, really, of how how somebody uh, with a positive attitude can come in and, and can be a part of and approach the hobby. So let's start talking about the first top, the first item, uh, which is really the importance of a card finding its own home. And I'm not going to explain what that is because I'll let you do that and speak to that. Yeah, I mean, when you first start collecting cards as a kid, you start with base cards and kind of get what you can afford. You maybe rip some packs. Uh, and then you start to discover new cards, inserts, rare cards, things you kind of lust over, right? And things you you kind of speak to you a little bit. Um, and you start meeting different collectors and you start seeing things and prizes kind of in their collections. Uh, and you start kind of lusting over those cards. And so um, when you find a card you love and it's rare and it gets to you, there's a sense of accomplishment, but there's also you feel like you're going to treat that card as good as as anyone would. And so when that happens, and, and that's been my mission, is when I find a card that someone else maybe covets more, I want to find a way to get it into their collection. And I think that's a beautiful thing um, when cards are changing hands and they, it ends up where it kind of belongs. 
Uh, there's something almost sacred about that. You know, there's something uh, beautiful about that. And there's, there's like really good closure. Um, and we all know what it's like to really desire a card for many years. Uh, for me, there's been seven year hunts that I just recently accomplished and um, man, it, it's, it's a pretty awesome feeling. So um, when you talk about a card finding its rightful home, of course, who are we to judge, you know, what the rightful home is, but um, for you with hockey, there's certain cards that I'm sure once you land them, people are like, Oh, that's a perfect card for Jeremy uh, that found the right home, the best home. And, and uh, it's game over. We've seen that with Nat Turner where he's gotten cards and that's, that's a wrap, you know? Yeah, I agree, man. It's like, you know, I've come across card and it happens all the time where you're, you're just browsing, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, eBay, you see a card and you're like, Oh, I know who needs that card. And you set, you sent, you share it with them. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people in the hobby spend a lot of time trying to do that, trying to help out our fellow collectors. It's part of the camaraderie of the hobby. And it's, 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 it's a wonderful thing. And obviously today's technology makes it super easy to do it. And I encourage everybody, I know you encourage everybody out there as well to help people find the cards that belong in their in their collection. And I want, I want to mention one other thing. And Jordan, I don't know if you've had this experience, um, if you've set up at card shows before and you know to buy, sell and trade, but there's times when people will look at a card in your showcase and you can tell they want the card. And, you know, depending on the, the person and how they approach you and if they're polite or not, you know, if it's somebody and you can tell they, they want that card so bad, you know, as a vendor, I'm often willing to move on my price a little bit more to make sure they can get that card because I can see how important it is to them. And I understand that desire for it because I share that desire for other cards myself. So uh, have you ever had an experience like that where you're, moving a card to somebody and you've been like, you know what, this guy needs this card. Any examples come to mind by chance? Yeah. I mean, in dealing, I actually love trading more than I even like buying and selling. Um, so a lot of times I'll get guys that tag me and say, Hey, I just wanted to give you a heads up. You know, are you interested in this far card? Um, I've done it myself where I do reach out to guys and I say, Hey, I wanted to give you right a first refusal on this. You know, I'm not in a huge rush to move it, but um, wanted to give you a week just to see if you wanted it. Um, and that will stand for a week. And, and, you know, so, um, I've seen dealers do that. I have had times where people say, if you're ever going to move that card, please let me know. Um, I don't move a lot of cards to be honest. I, I really enjoy collecting more than I like selling. Um, but when the time comes, there are guys that are a Jordan collector. Hey, if you ever move that, please let me know first. Um, and, and usually guys like that are actually willing to pay a little more or pay top dollar because they know, um, you know, to get that right of first refusal is, is worth something. So, yeah, I mean, oftentimes you do that or now, you know, you'll see a guy, I, now if I find a card, I'll tag them and say, and even try to make a deal for them to get it. You know, if they don't have the ammunition, I might even step out and do it because they have something I want. So, I mean, you know, the moving parts of it, but, uh, it's, it's really fun to, uh, when you find a card that, like you said, has someone's name all over it. There are so many moving parts, man. And it, it's funny because, you'll show a card and some, on Instagram, for example, and somebody will say, is it available? You'll say, no, it's PC. They'll say, okay, well, if it's ever available, will you let me know? And I have, a, I have a, 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 an issue with that. And my issue is I can't keep track of all these requests. I don't have a depository where I can make, where I make notes and say, okay, if I ever move this particular card, contact this particular collector on this particular platform. So whenever someone says to me, and this is gonna sound terrible, but whenever somebody says to me, hey, if you ever move that card, let me know. I would say okay because it's polite, but it's like 
what are the chances I'm going to remember who asked me to do that? It, it's so that's a challenge I've I've had for years and years now. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking for advice. If anybody has a way, how do you out there organize all of these requests that you, you genuinely want to fill when you have the opportunity, when you're going to move those cards? But how do you remember who asked you for this card, especially if it's a one-time communication on Facebook Messenger or Instagram private messaging? I don't know. So I'm putting it out there. I'm challenging everyone. If you have a method for how to keep track of these things, please let me know. I'd love to adopt it. Do you have any, any ideas on that, Jordan? Yeah, I would say um, that is where the art of following up comes in nice. And I think we all know there's guys you hear from one time and they're kind of one and done. You maybe do one deal and they move on. There's guys that build strong rapport for the rest of their life. And there's guys that kind of pop in and out whenever they find a card you want. Uh, I'm a huge fan of following up. Uh, I wake up every day and send off five to 10 to 20 text messages, Instagram messages, Facebook messages, and emails. Uh, with everybody in my network, I take pride in, in staying in touch like that. And if you find a card that that you want bad enough, you will follow up with that person maybe once a week, maybe every two weeks. Maybe you ask that person, hey, is every couple weeks OK? Uh, is once a month OK? Um, and that's the only way, right, because we're all fighting through our inboxes and our text messages and our our daily life. So uh, I would say the art of following up is a beautiful thing when when you're trying to pursue something. Yeah. Hey, man, I'm glad you had an answer to that. That's great advice. And that's an excellent segue into the next topic on, on my list under this hobby is awesome, which is the importance of making connections in the hobby. Um, speak to that a little bit. I mean, you, you just sort of did in terms of following up. That's a way that we're, you're, you're building, you're, you're, you're laying the, you know, you're planting the seed with the other person. You're, you're layering on with each bit of communication, each message. How important is that, the, the making of connections? How important is it to you in the hobby and how important is it to you just in life? Well, I think it depends on what you're trying to accomplish in the hobby. So my biggest thing is to try to build great relationships and, and always have a, a network of people you can bring together. Uh, that's why I love your show so much. You're really good at bringing people together. You get to kind of know people through the comments and, and just by being in your community, right? So in my opinion, the hobby is the best community when you nurture it properly, right? So. Um, building your network and your foundation of, of how you're going to be in any industry, whether it's the hobby or your, your business, uh, is extremely important because at the end of the day, you want good word of mouth. You want people to speak highly of you. Um, and a lot of times that comes from how you treat people and the communication and, uh, and how good you are at executing. You know, there's people that, that get stuff done and there's people that don't. So as a hobbyist, you know, that's what I admire about you and, and the people I've connected with. They get stuff done. They acquire the cards they want. They're good to people. They... Um, they know they're resourceful. So I think all that comes into play. Uh, and it, I think it is the most important thing in the hobby uh, is to have good word of mouth, to to have a good cosign of a network of people who um, really admire and appreciate what you're bringing to the hobby, which is that positivity and the ability to just get things done. Yeah. And, you know, I, I appreciate all, I appreciate that a lot, man. Um, you know, there's a lot of people in the hobby who aren't doing YouTube shows. They're not uh, displaying their collection on Instagram or they're maybe less active in Facebook, but they're out there. You know, they're they're at the local card shops. They're maybe at the trader nights or they show up at the card shows. And those are also ways to, uh, you know, they're avenues to meet people. And I'm going to, you know, it's funny because if I were to look through all my say the friends I'm connected to on Facebook, how many are hobby related and how many are like uh, outside the hobby related. And for me, it's like half and half, which tells me that half of the people in my life, you know, if I'm using that as an indicator being Facebook friend counts, half the people in my life I've met through the hobby. 
but it's awesome because some of my best friends are through the hobby. And I'm, I've, as I've said recently, especially with the show, meeting so many new people and making more friends, like I've got room for lots of friends in my life. And lucky for me, I'm a lucky guy through this show and through online presence, I've made a lot of great friends. Some of them I haven't even met in person yet, yourself included, right? But I know that that's eventually gonna change and we will hang out, we will have a beer together, we'll have a meal together, probably at the National in Chicago, it's one, one year or another, right? And uh, and that's 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 the that to me, you know, when you said it to me last night, you said the most important things are, are connections. And you went on to say, it's really the reason why we are on earth. We are social animals at our core and we crave social interaction as humans. And the hobby has provided so much of that for me. I see it's provided a lot for you. And I want to send the message out there that it can provide a lot to everybody, you know, extroverts, introverts, whatever it is, we are all like-minded people. We all love these two and a half by three and a half inch canvases of cardboard with pictures of athletes who we, who we are fans of. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, so, you know, and I'm finding that the communities are growing, they're intertwining more and it, it's just, it's just, it's awesome. It's awesome. So I, I thought it was a, a good topic to, to talk about a little bit. Um, before we move on, we have some more comments that have rolled in. I want to I want to address them. Uh, Billy of Cardboard Nostalgia says, when you're not collecting, how comparable is your life to The Rock on Ballers? We will talk about uh, Jordan as an NFL agent later on in the show, so don't worry. We will get there. Uh, my buddy JR says, that baller show is surely science fiction. No one balls that hard. Well, maybe LeBron balls that hard, but I hear you. I hear you, JR. Great to see you. The card collector, he meant that Wilt should be in the GOAT discussion. He is the most dominant player and athletic player of all time. If he played in today's NBA with the technology players have nowadays, he would be the GOAT. Not going to argue with you, card collector. Can't corroborate it either. It's tough to put an athlete from one era into another, but I will say Wilt is a, he's a legend. I mean, he's an absolute legend, and I, I, would, I would venture to say that the other guys that are in the GOAT discussion, like the MJs and the LeBrons, would probably defer to Wilt as the GOAT, right? So that's a great comment there. Do you want to, Jordan, do you want to chime in on Wilt at all? Yeah, I mean, to your point, comparing errors is really hard. So uh, even when Michael Jordan was asked, is he the greatest of all time, he deferred. And he said, you know, that would take away from a lot of other great players. So he doesn't even get into it. Uh, hard to compare LeBron with Wilt, with Bill Russell, you know, what's the criteria? Is it rings? Is it athletic ability? Is it scoring average? I mean, there's so many things you can sit and discuss. It's all just good banter. Uh, at the end of the day, you, you, I think everybody focuses on who the goat is when they should really focus on who their goat is. And, you know, to me, it's Brett Favre in some ways in football, where somebody would say Jerry Rice or Barry Sanders and um, Joe Montana. So Tom Brady, of course. So I think it's, I think people get caught up in what other people think more when they should just say, who is your goat and stick to it, stick to your guns and, and maybe sometimes keep your opinion to yourself. And let, and let's not argue about it, right? We're everyone's, in, it's a subjective discussion. We're all entitled to our opinions. We've all seen different aspects of all these different players over the years. We're all, most of us are different ages. So you don't know what you've seen. Uh, it's a fun discussion, but I, I like the angle when people have friendly banter and they they don't try and uh, really put their opinion out there as the as the right one. Although we see it all the time, I've done it myself with, in hockey. Whether it's Gretzky or Lemieux or Bobby Orr or Gordy Howe or whoever, I'll I'll tell you it's Wayne Gretzky all the time. And if you tell me it's anyone else, I'll say you're wrong. I say it in jest, you know. But 
So, okay, let's keep going. Ziggy No in the house. Ziggy, welcome to the show, guys. Check out Ziggy's YouTube channel. Ziggy No, he does daily updates on hobby content and news. Uh, Mike Davis says 89. Mikey, I don't know what, you're, what that's in reference to, but I, glad, I like seeing you comment. Thank you, JR, on the 50th episode. I appreciate that very much. Jake says, I'm with you, Jeremy. I don't know how to keep track of such requests, right? It's tough to know. It's tough to always come back and know who who wanted that card again, who was it? And then I go to, I'll go and I'll search my my private messages and I can never find it. It's so tough. 99 goals, Amit in the house. Amit, welcome to the show. Amit's been on a couple times with me on After Hours and on episodes 20 and 21. He says, yeah, it's crazy. Mostly hobby friends over other avenues. I, I hear you, man. This hobby is, it's very powerful in our lives. Legion says, what do you guys think about in-person autographs on key rookie cards? Mostly happens with cards before autos in packs. Like I see what you're saying. Some see it as defacing the cards. Others say it adds value. What's your taste? You know what? That wasn't on the agenda, but let's uh, let's address that question. Jordan, what, what's your opinion on on-card autographs on rookie cards um, that are in-person autographs? Uh my big thing. So I have a really cool collection of Giannis autographs. Um, got down at the national. I was at trade night. Shout out to Ryan for hooking that up in Chicago and went there. And this guy walks up in a buck shirt and I'm like, Oh, I'm a bucks fan. What's this guy got? He opens his binder and he's going through and he's got a bunch of in-person autographs, a bunch of nobodies. And then there's a page of Giannis. And then there's two and three and four pages of Giannis on card uh, in-person autos. So I bought nine of them and uh, have, pretty much nine autographs from a bunch of different years and you can kind of see his autograph evolve. So I'm not going to authenticate them. I don't care. This guy, they're clearly real. Um, an amazing piece for me. Uh, it's very hard to value that. I have an NBA hoops rookie autograph by Giannis um, clearly period time from his rookie year. Um, it'd be hard to authenticate that or hard to, to say it's not more valuable than just the card. Um, but uh, I think it's a, it's a personal preference. Um, I think those are more rare, you know, than sticker autos and things like that. So I, I personally think it's awesome. I'm never going to even authenticate my Giannis collection in that sense. I'm never even going to sell it. So, um, but it is a nice one page, nine autographs and, and a really cool kind of relic across, you know, the first handful of years of his career. So that's my opinion based on my personal experience. That, that's cool, man. I, I appreciate that. It's nice. It's nice to have some of that in your, it, you know, kind of rounds out a collection too. It's a part of the hobby. It's been a part of the hobby for years. Some people would say it was, you know, the reason for it, take these cards, get them autographed. For for myself, Legion, um, I do have a collection of on-card uh, in-person autographs, but just like the PSA set registry can be very, um, you know, it, it can it can really have a big impact on graded cards. There is a PSA DNA set registry as well, where you can collect certain sets of autographed rookie cards and that, and or whatever cards really. And um, I think that might drive a little bit of that. I do know that they are getting more popular as of late, you know, in the last couple of years versus the history of the hobby, it's becoming more accepted. Um, as far oh, as- sorry, sorry to interrupt, Jeremy, but just to show this, this I got this in person from Brett Favre a few weeks ago, and it's his rookie from the Packers, essentially 92 Stadium Club. I certainly don't think that defaces the card. I mean, that's a pretty awesome thing to have 92 Stadium Club signed in person by Brett. So, uh, but that's my personal opinion. Yeah. And, you know, to me, it depends on the card. Some cards, an autograph looks good. Sometimes it doesn't look as good. So as long as it looks good on the card, why not? As far as as far as defacing or, um, you know, hurting the value of the cards, that's just going to de depend on the buyer at the time and with whether or not they want it or not. 
I lean, I'll be honest though, I personally lean against it for myself. And when I'm buying a card, I will I will almost never buy an in-person autograph from anybody unless I, you know, unless I get it myself. Those are the ones that I want in my collection, or they come out of a very special collection, which is a, a discussion for another another episode for sure. But thanks for that question, Legion. Interesting stuff. Uh, to this Facebook user, thank you so much. It's, I'm honored you've been with me from the beginning. Uh, this is 50, so thanks so much. Simon says, Wilt also has so few cards and so very autos, and that might make him the the goat of autograph basketball cards. Uh, I, I know his autograph cards go for ridiculous money because they're so rare. Carlos says, Jordan hit the hit on the key point. The goat discussion is impossible until you decide on what we're measuring by. And there are so many different criteria that we can measure by that agreeing on that is going to be almost as hard as agreeing on who wins the discussion. Cardboard Nostalgia Billy says, I politely remind a fellow collector every couple of months that I would love a chance to buy back an extremely high-end PC card I sold for economic reasons about five years ago. That's a good point because I've got one guy who asks me for a card pretty regularly and I, I've said to him, you know what? Ask me every six months. If you send me a message once every six months, I will remember who you are. And maybe that's the strategy is saying to the person, okay, I've got it, but I'm gonna, I might not remember. So I'm gonna put it on you to bug me and I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's okay send me a you know ping me once every three or six months sort of thing William Benford finally catching one live I love seeing, seeing some new names tonight guys it's great to have you welcome to the live version of the show and uh William great to have you thank you so much Legion it's that's what it's all about Jay-Z my boy Jay-Z welcome to the show my brother welcome to the show and can't figure out why it doesn't show me. I'm going to put something out there quickly. This right here, guys. Don't be an anonymous Facebook user. It's on the ticker. Go to StreamYard.com slash Facebook. Click the big blue button. You'll only ever have to do that once. And that will allow me to see your name if you're watching on Facebook or you can watch on YouTube and it should show up automatically. Okay, Jordan, let's move along. Um, there, were, there were two other little uh, bullet points I had under the topic, how awesome is the hobby? One of them is looking in the mirror at ourselves. That's something you mentioned to me last night. Can you elaborate on what you meant by that? Yeah, so I think we oftentimes get caught up in just being a diehard collector, kind of pursuing the cards we want and and just hunting, right? We love hunting. I mean, first of all, shout out to everybody watching. I mean, if you're watching the show, you're an absolute diehard of cards and uh, we all have to explain it to our wives, you know, what we're doing. But, um, you know, we're all hunting cards and we get very caught up in that. We get very caught up in being kind of self-centered around our collection and maybe our profit and in our network. When um, I think the key, like I told you in life is that connection and that experience, not just for us, but for others. And, and maybe we sometimes lose track of, you know, empathy, having empathy and understanding that everybody's in a different place in the hobby. So uh, I know we all want to be elite collectors in our own world. We all want to be kind of the king of our own universe, but um, sometimes you got to just pause, you know, maybe stop, smell the roses a little bit, look in the mirror, and say kind of, who am I in the hobby? What do I mean to other hobbyists? And uh, what do my relationships look like? And sometimes step back and and uh, there's been times that I go, I mean, not often, but maybe a couple of weeks without buying a card um, just to kind of refocus, sort my collection and kind of, you know, reflect a little bit as to what are we doing in the hobby and, and what are we doing to kind of better that experience for everybody. Um, and oftentimes when you create a, a better experience for other people, that comes back to you tenfold, and that's kind of the hobby karma that we were talking about last night, too. Well, that that's the ne that's the next and final bullet point under how awesome the hobby is is 
how ca- how karma works in the hobby. And I know you have a story about a particular quarterback, a currently playing, a current quarterback who's in the, in the NFL right now and a, and a good one. Why don't you uh, tell a bit about that story? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I get on my high horse a little bit about kind of uplifting people in the hobby and stuff like that. But um, this is seen through pro sports. It's always cool to be able to uh, use someone else's voice. And so uh, Mike Vrabel is the, the head coach of the Tennessee Titans now, but he was a coach at one point for the Houston Texans. And uh, if you know football, you know Deshaun Watson is one of uh, the best quarterbacks in the league. You have Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, uh, the young guys. Uh, you have Deshaun Watson. So uh, there was a time when Deshaun Watson uh, gave his first game check to the cafeteria staff uh, for the Houston Texans, and Mike Vrabel was still a coach. Um, and Mike Vrabel is making millions of dollars as a coach and Deshaun Watson was making a rookie minimum. Granted, his signing bonus was tens of millions of dollars, but, um, he gave his first game check to those people in the cafeteria. And, uh, years later, uh, this was, I think it was a year or two ago. Um, Vrabel had a press conference and they were talking about Deshaun Watson was coming up to play the Tennessee Titans. And he said, I got to tell you something about that kid. Uh, he gave his game check over and it kind of made me look in the mirror a little bit, made me think, what am I doing? Uh, you know, how does, how does this kid think to give his game check? He's a rookie. He really hasn't totally made it yet. Um, and Deshaun Watson told him, he said, coach, if you can, you must. And Mike Vrabel said that completely changed my life and my outlook. And I was taking care of my family and all these people, but here's a 21 year old kid teaching me a life lesson on how to uplift other people. And, and because he had the privilege, he really changed the life of those people in the cafeteria. Uh, and, and I think that was really cool to see a grown man, you know, in his forties who had won several, maybe even 50 who had won several championships with the Patriots, you know, he's on the defense and now he's head coach making millions of dollars and he stopped him in his track, a 21 year old kid. So doesn't matter if you're in your fifties or thirties or whatever it may be. I think hobby wise and life wise, it's, it's interesting if you can help people, I think we have an obligation to do so. Uh, and and um, you mentioned it before with Hobby Karma. I think the more you do that, the more you see back. And I've been very generous with a lot of people and it's turned into me having one of a, a collection I could have never dreamed of. Um, and also just more fulfilling to wake up every day knowing you're doing you know what you can at least. And again, I'm not Mother Teresa, but it's made my life and my my experience in the hobby much more enjoyable. So you're not, you're not, okay. You're not mother Teresa. So we'll just call you father Teresa. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just messing around. Um, yeah, man. I mean the hobby karma thing, I think it, you know, what goes around does come around. There's, there's a lot of people that, that are in the hobby that are not as uh, positive or, you know, they're just always seeing the negatives. And I kind of wonder, you know, I want to welcome everybody to this hobby. I, I don't, you know, we're, we're not a closed uh, circuit or anything. This this is open to anybody. You know, you just, all you need to do is have a desire and, and come in it. But if you're, if you're in it, I, I encourage people to be positive and don't just focus on the negatives. And, you know, you can be in whatever Facebook group and whatever product comes out or whatever product is announced, whatever show is announced, whatever whatever grading company is putting something out there and the comments just turn into a, 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 a salad of negativity. And, you know, I often find myself wanting to post and, and put a positive spin, but then it's like, you know, you're just gonna, you're just gonna end up frustrating yourself. And sometimes you just got to step back and, and let those people just put their negativity out there. And it's kind of the opposite of karma. And I don't, I don't, I, I, I'd like to say, I'd like to hope that they would see some good karma come back or they would see that some of the positive aspects of the hobby. And I encourage everyone out there who's who's 
a positive person who has passion for this hobby, passion for the, the cards themselves, the people in the hobby, and you know the connections that you've made to post positive things, kind of retort with a positive comment. It's not all so bad. And you know, really, um, there are bigger issues in the world. And I know that's cliche to say, and I don't like saying, I don't like reading it sometimes, but there are. So let's just, let's uh, collectively, and as you know, uh, to take a, a page out of Jordan's, the name of his podcast, collectively for the hobby, let's be positive about it. So that's great, uh, Jordan. Thank you for the, the Deshaun Watson story. I really loved hearing it. And I, and I put it in quotes, if we can, we must, if we can help someone, we're obligated. We're not obligated. No one's forcing us to, but it's the it's just the human experience. It makes life that much more enjoyable if you help people out. And I will say to final to 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 kind of put a book into that, I will say you and I talked about this last night. People can do whatever they want in the hobby. You know, if they wanna if they wanna get into the shenanigans and, and talk smack and you know get into the negative, that's that's their prerogative, that's fine. You know, it's it's not really up to us how people experience it, but um, that's just how we do, right? That's what you and I have in common. A lot of people watching the show as well. That's how we operate. You know, there's a lot of positivity to be had. I mean, this hobby brings so much joy to people and um, there are negative things happening. There's a lot of things that go on, but uh, I choose to focus on the positive. We all fight through the negative things and, and people can do whatever they want. They can, you know, I'm not trying to control anybody. I'm really just here to suggest kind of that in which you post you attract and and that in which you put in, you get out oftentimes. And, um, you know, I hope there's some 10 or 12 year old kid, just like when I was a kid watching this right now with their dad and saying, you know what, we need to be around more people like this. We need to go to shows to find guys like this. We need to email these guys, message these guys and start to connect in their network because it seems like they have so much joy from the hobby. You know, we, we want to inspire those people to kind of, you know, follow down that path. And we want to meet those people. We want to uplift them and help them and, uh, I think someday some young kid's going to come and snipe me on a Favre card and I'm going to shake his hand and say, congrats, kid, way to go. And and I'm happy for you. You know, it's a, it's a great day when that happens. You know? Yeah, enjoy that card, young man. And uh, I'm going to get the next one sort of thing for sure, man. Let's go to some comments. we got a bunch here. Uh, Legion reminds everyone to hit that like button on the video. That's a good way to to build some karma. Hit that like, hit that, uh, like button, people. I, I'd greatly appreciate it. Uh, Amit says it comes down to confidence in who you are as a person caring about what others think of your collections doesn't matter be a good human that's all that matters he goes on to say karma is insane uh, Jay-Z says great show great hobby banter thanks for the effort uh, my pleasure Jay-Z um, Amit says beautifully said I think he was speaking to what you were saying earlier Jordan just about positivity in the hobby and how how karma works and, and probably the Deshaun Watson story as well which I do love Billy says, I do think some of the negativity some of the negativity comes from gamesmanship of trying to one-up other people on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, instead of actually collecting things you like. Sure. I, I think I think some I think there's jealousy. Jealousy is, is a is a natural human uh, emotion that I think everybody has experienced in their lives. So it could breed some negativity for sure. So I think it's it's important to step back and appreciate what you have and maybe don't covet what you don't so much. And you know, there was a there was a time just this uh, last week where I was, you know, I was having something going on in my in my non sports card life, and I was like, oh, you know what, I I need I need to pick me up. I just went through a box of cards, and boom, pick me up, right? Like uh, that's that's the beauty of cards for us. It has that it can have that effect. 
Uh, Amit says, insecurity can breed negativity. If you're confident in who you are, you won't stoop to that level. Fair enough. Fair enough. Aaron Rasmus. Hey, guys. Welcome to you to the show. Great to see you. Mike at Absolute Authentics. Good evening to you. Welcome to the show. And thank you so much for happy 50th. We're, we're celebrating. We're happy too. Aaron says, 33 in chat, 8 likes. Hit the like button for these guys. Thank you, guys. 8 likes, 33 in chat. No, no, okay. That's not a bad rate, actually. I do appreciate every every time you guys hit the like button, every time you subscribe, every time you make a comment. It's all just awesome. So thanks to you for everyone for that. Jordan, let's move to the next heading, which is state of the hobby. We've got some sort of different things we're going to talk about here. The first one is I want you to talk about sort of comparing the hobby now during the pandemic to the to the hobby before the pandemic in terms of how are you how you're enjoying it going you know are, are you're not going to shows are you going to the card shop still how are you how are you immersing yourself into the hobby now versus before the pandemic yeah so i've been um adapting in life just like everybody not just with the hobby but just having to spend a lot more time at home and trying to figure out how to adapt and and be you know, cognizant of everything and everybody around you. Uh, I've still gone to, I went to one show, um, you know, wearing a mask and, and everybody there is wearing a mask and the tables are further apart. Um, have still hit up a couple card shows, uh, card shops, excuse me, um, wearing a mask, of course, again, uh, some of these shops have put away their dollar boxes, which, uh, man, I live in those dollar boxes. So that's tough, you know, a few in uh, Minnesota and uh, Iowa and stuff like that. We kind of road tripped and, and Kansas City as well. So, um, the places that have put back the dollar boxes, please find a way to get those back out. Um, but, uh, you know, we've adapted and, and a lot more kind of connecting on social media, uh, dealing on Facebook groups and things, meeting a lot of guys. And, um, you know, you start through a couple of players you're collecting and the next thing you know, you're texting these guys and calling them and FaceTiming them and going through cards and um, just opening up the world via social media. Um, I love doing private deals, um, getting to know people and then safely meeting up somewhere. Um, of course, distance, but then seeing cards. And um, I almost just enjoy connecting about cards and, and seeing some smaller pieces than kind of making these big deals. So a lot more connecting on social media, um, looking at more content. I'm trying to understand the state of the hobby around, I mean, all these podcasts, a lot of things have emerged. Um, not much has changed, though. Still always buying cards and, and connecting with like-minded people. So, um, you know, the hobby is an escape for a lot of us. And it's something we spend way too much time on, uh, according to our wives and, and friends. But um, it is a huge source of joy. So it's actually been almost acceptable. I usually travel a lot for work. I haven't. So I'm able to spend more time in my basement and what I call the lab and kind of sorting cards and, and going through them and um, organizing things to, to take things to a new level. So it's actually been uh, beneficial, in my opinion. You know, like you mentioned the social media aspect of it uh, and you know, not going to shows right now, but going to some shops. The nice thing that's happening is that, and this started back in about March, we've started to see some virtual events. You know, we saw, the first one I ever saw was uh, Justin G. Uh, he goes by at 610 Sports Cards on Instagram. He was the he was a guest on, on Sports Cards Live. I don't have the episode number handy, but he, he's been a guest on the show. He he uh, started the first Instagram card show. I believe it was in March, and it's it was a bit of the inspiration for what I'm doing right now. Actually, it somewhat was part of the path to getting uh, getting me here to episode 50 of Sports Cars Live. But he did the first real that I'm aware of the first virtual card show 
It was an Instagram event. He followed it up a couple months later with another one. I took part in the first one, couldn't take part in the second one. And that was that was just the beginning of the whole pandemic era. And um, it was a great experience. And it, it was it was very well done. It was the first time it, it, it ever happened. And it executed quite nicely. Then we saw at the end of June, uh, the Sports Card Expo, which is a Toronto uh, show twice a year. It's the second biggest card show in the world beside, behind the national. Um, the owner of that, he put on the virtual expo and I took part in that, uh, had a great time. It was a two day event. There were like 4,500 attendees and only 55 vendors. Well, he has now teamed up with the owner of the Chicago Spectacular and they are doing another one of these, but it should be much bigger than the first one. And that's going to be November 21st and 22nd. So pretty cool that we're seeing some people really innovate in the hobby and create these online events because we can't do them physically. And then you've got Jeff Wilson from Sports Card Investor who did his, uh, he called it the virtual. It was at the same time as the national that occurred uh, in August of this year. And he, he did that. He was live streaming for five days. I think it was three or four hours a day or whatever it was, two hours a day for five days and had tons of guests and lots of action in the chat room. So another online event and and kind of off topic but now the virtual the industry summit which is uh put on by beckett media uh they're having their industry summit as a virtual event as well so you know while we're not enjoying the hobby in person rubbing shoulders with each other in the traditional manner we're still able to sit at our you know in the comfort of our own home have this you know live streaming whether it's on on youtube or during a virtual card show event and still get to know each other better, make new, forge new relationships, make new friends and all that. And that's, you know, that's kind of how I've been enjoying the hobby um, really virtually. And, and it's, it's been awesome. Yeah. So let me ask you this, you know, there's been a lot of banter about why the hobby had a resurgence, right. And, and you have um, COVID, you have the last dance, you have, you know, all these things that have come together, Instagram and these things. So uh, I think there's something um, really interesting about the hobby kind of exploding. And I'm curious on your end, what do you think? Do you think the people who have come into this because of COVID that are maybe not going on vacation or doing things that cost money in the past, they pump that money into cards. Do you think those people stick around? Do you think they, uh, when COVID kind of passes, do you think those people stay in the hobby or do they kind of get back to the normal family life and, uh, or do they maybe become more of a secret hobbyist then? Or do you have any thoughts on that? I, I do, man. I was going to ask you the exact same question. Uh, you know, th that's coming up on the agenda, but we, we can talk about it now and I'll give my my opinion. I'll keep it quick because I've probably said this 12 times on the show on previous episodes, but it, it's still relevant and it's it's fluid. I think it, it's always sort of changing because we're, we're getting new information every day, every week in the hobby. So my view is, yes, people are not, you know, since March, they haven't been spending as much money on travel, other, you know, Fancy cars. Who? Where are you? Where were you driving? Right. Um, the big one, I think, is sports gambling and fantasy. Those were gone for a long time, and those people needed needed their fix. You've got the sneaker the sneaker people who are moving out of sneakers to cards because sneakers are too hard to get and and so much bigger and bulky. Cards are cards are the perfect commodity in terms of you know person to person trade because they're just so small and compact and they display well. You can put you can display a ton of them, sort of thing. So I think a lot of a lot of the people coming in are people who were also spending more time at home. 
after they had finished streaming all the Netflix they could, they started to turn to maybe some of their old boxes of stuff. What, what do I have locked away in the basement? Going through some things, killing time, cleaning the house, you know, coming across old collections, looking up, trying to, you know, do some research and seeing what's going on in the hobby. And I think that a lot of these people, I think we're going to have two kind of groups. We're going to have the group that stays and the group that doesn't. And the group, and I think it's a numbers game. I think there's definitely going to be some of these people are going to stick around and become lifelong hobbyists from here on in. And I've said before, it's a numbers game. Some will definitely stick around. Many won't. Many will get bored and they will leave or they'll get distracted with other areas of their life. And that's fine. So I think we're going to see the... I think I think I think that the level of excitement and the level of activity in the hobby I think it's I think it is sustainable but it may we are going to see some 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 bumps along the way but I do think that the foundation I've said this so many times I feel like a broken record a bit but I feel like the the foundation of the hobby is built up higher and stronger than it's ever been before and some of the some of the the people at the very top of that foundation are going to go away but the core will remain and that core is larger than it's ever been. So I think it's sustainable. I think they will stick around a lot of them. So yeah. What, what do you think? What, what do you see happening? Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> I think uh, when people get into cards, they kind of fall in love again. Right. I was in the hobby from 94 to 2000 and then got out for many years back in 2014. And I plan to be a hobbyist the rest of my life. You know, I plan to be a, uh, a diehard kind of find a way to spend some of my money on cards and, and just have fun with it. So I do think that foundation has grown. Uh, I think people who have gotten in it just to invest or just to kind of flip, uh, they'll come and go. I think when some of those flippers leave, I think the industry, the prices go back down. Um, but you're right. The foundation of some of these key cards and some of these uh, hobbyists who are in it because they love it. I, I think so many people have over the last two years really have fallen in love with cards in a way that we've never seen. And, and I do think that's why, in my opinion, the hobby has been on fire and it's been the hottest it's maybe ever been in the history of the hobby in 2020. So uh, hard to sustain that. We've seen it cool off a little over the last month, but it's still uh, still exciting. And, and I think it'll be really interesting to see what happens if LeBron wins a, a title this year too. Yeah. You, you just said that you can see, you know, some of those people leaving and, and the prices go back down. I just want to, hone in on that for a second i think what we're gonna see is the prices will go i don't want to say back down but i think they will go down we already we've already seen it with lucas and Giannis and Kawhis. i mean they peaked in whatever it was july and they've come back down a bit now that the the bubble is down to two teams and we know who is and is not uh you know a contender for a championship so i i, I think that yes we're gonna see prices uh correct but I think we're going to see that mostly in the commodity cards versus the rare cards. So that, that's because we know there's so much hoarding going on out there. You can see it on Instagram. You see people with stacks of Luca Prism, stack of Luca Base, stacks of whichever player. And I mean, what's going to happen when that player isn't the flavor of the month or the flavor of the season anymore? And now the people holding them. Are willing are, are right okay time to time to move some of these well chances are you're not the only one moving them and now the market could be you know the supply is going to be higher than the demand and we're going to see the market correct on those cards that that are that are really hoardable or stackable versus the rare cards where those the rare cards never i won't never say never but very 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 rarely go down in value to to any extent that would really um if you know 
where the owner of the card is going to be bothered by it. You know, it's like, ah, oh, it came down, you know, a, a $10,000 card came down to eight or nine, maybe that's still a, it's still a worse decrease, right? It, it, it's, it's something that's recoverable. It's a lot better than a $10,000 card going down to a thousand dollars because now there's a hundred of them on eBay at, at any given time. That's my thought on that. Anything to add on? Before yeah, we I would say, um, you know, because you've been really great at giving your audience value, you know, and, and I want to just chime in on that quick. I think you would probably agree, but um, there are a lot of cards that are, people are going to get caught with, right? They, they thought because the market was so hot, they paid a thousand bucks. They thought it would go to 2000. Um, the goal in any of this, you know, you and I love cards and we have a PC and we buy probably way more than we sell, but um, ultimately someone's going to get caught with those cards that go down. Right. And, and I just want to give your audience some value in saying, beware of what you're buying. And, and, you know, if you're trying to do it just to flip it, you know, you may have a bad hobby experience if those cards go down. And so uh, always being cognizant of, of where the market is, but also thinking about if this card went down to half its value, would I be happy with it? Uh, and if it's not, you know, you, you got to be careful. And because I do think the reason some people will leave is they'll say, oh, Jordan, I, I got into this and I was doing this, trying this, and I lost, you know, $2,000. Well, you know, it, it happens if, if there's an injury or something happens, but I would just say at times with certain cards, and you know this, um, it can be a game of musical chairs. And whoever's caught with the card when it goes down can be can be tricky. Uh, you're seeing a lot of base cards and things that I think are very cool cards, but there's th tens of thousands of those cards. Um, so be aware when you're trying to buy cards, you know, just to flip them, um, that someone's going to get caught with that card and it may not be worth as much sometimes. So um, try to buy what you love and, and focus on that. And if the card goes up, great. Um, and if you have a quick flip in mind and you even have a buyer, great, you know, good for you and, and more power to you. But um, that's one thing I think will deter people from continuing in the hobby is getting caught uh, without a chair, you know, in the game of musical chair. So I, I just wanted to at least mention that and get maybe quickly your thoughts on that. Yeah. Um, I think it's exactly right. I mean, you're calling it mu musical chairs. I, I I, I call it like the hot the hot potato game, right? Like who's going to be, is that hot potato? Yeah, I think well, so. yeah, yeah. it's the same thing, whichever one. Um, but yes, there that is. I think that situation is more primed to happen now than it's ever been primed to happen before, simply because of the the steepness of the curve that we've recently experienced overall in the hobby. So you know, the 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 higher you go, the 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 harder you fall, sort of thing, right? So it's definitely. Um, primed to occur and you know like you said when you are buying a card to flip be careful and make sure you flip it in time don't get lazy is you know is something else to to consider because it can be it can be easy to forget to sell a card sometimes uh as well so if you are in the flipping game and i think there is room for flippers in this hobby there's room for everybody there's lots of there's lots of approaches to the hobby and i i welcome them all except fraud i, I don't welcome those approaches I don't, I don't welcome scammers, of course, but we welcome any legitimate uh, approach because even people who come in as flippers, some of them are going to be gone from the hobby because they won't have a good experience. And some of them are going to have a uh, maybe not as good of an experience also, but they're still going to fall in love with the cards themselves, just like you did when you were 12 years old, 10 years old, just like I did when I was 10 years old. You know, the, the gene is there. I want to mention about back to the foundation of the hobby. You know, the hobby is built on collectors. Collectors are the foundation of the hobby and there's more now than there have been before. The flippers, the investors, you know, they have a bit of collector gene, uh, a bit of collector in them too. 
but I think for most of them or for the pure flipper, they're not going to last very long, especially because you not only have to decide what you're and scrutinize the card that you're buying, you have to scrutinize the advice that you're getting on, on cards to buy. And there is a lot of really great advice out there. And there's a lot of really poor advice out there that we see all the time. And so make sure that you're, if you're out there and you're looking for advice on cards, you know, get different opinions. Don't just, don't just go off of one YouTube channel or two, go off of a bunch, you know, try and, and ask questions, post in the comments of different YouTubers, get, get opinions from different people. And, you know, especially if we're talking about serious money, make sure that you are doing your due diligence and don't just buy the flavor of the month rookie and the, and the, the most common commodity card, unless you want that for your collection. And then there's nothing wrong with it. Cause if that card goes down in value, hopefully you won't be too bummed out about it. I understand that you are though, cause we all want to see our values go up and everything. Right. And I will finish that thought by saying there is exponentially more bad advice on what to buy than there is good advice. And so, um, I think uh, people are looking for some leadership and some guidance on what to buy. And I, I, I understand that. Um, but I would just say, you know, be cautious because if those people who are giving you advice on what to buy uh, really had the answers, then they would just be buying it all themselves and they wouldn't be putting it out there because it's such a great buy. So uh, keep that in mind. The, the guys that are doing it best in the hobby are ones who maybe suggest players they like, maybe not five guys to buy. And I think that's very important to discern that and and decipher, you know, what your taste is going to be in the hobby. If you don't love the player, it's hard for me to buy a guy, you know, um, unless you're going to flip them quick and you have buyers in mind. But, you know, thinking you're going to buy it for 100 bucks on eBay and flip it for 400 is very rare. It can happen even if you're buying out of season and then you sell it in season. That alone can, can be an uptick. So, um, but just, I would just say, come up with your own opinions, you know, gather seven opinions and then come up with your own. And, and the more you formulate your own taste, uh, in the hobby, the more you're going to enjoy it anyway. Yeah. And while you, while you are honing in on what your taste is, cause there's, let's face it, there's so many, there's so many options, so much selection in the hobby that, you know, you need to, um, you need, you need to see different things first. And there are, there's so many different things to buy. So I would, I would say, you know, if you're on Instagram, which is a great, it's to me is the number one place for hobby, uh, community right now. Um, it's not hard to find the guys who are doing it right and who, who are giving good advice. You will very easily identify those people. Look at the cards that they are posting in their collection. You know, it's, I'm not trying to hype up anything I'm doing, but I'm not going to hype up any cards on, on this show. I, I never have. But if you look at my Instagram feed, you'll see what I collect. I obviously see value in what I'm collecting because my Instagram feed only has personal collection cards on it. I don't have any cards on there that I'm that I bought to sell. And don't get me wrong, I have lots of cards that I buy to sell because I like going to card shows and having full showcases and meeting people that way. But as a collector, it's like follow what I do, not what I say. And I would caution everybody to take that approach with all YouTubers, all content creators, all accounts on Instagram. You know, there's been there's been uh, a lot of story posts on Instagram lately of people giving some great advice, like collect what you like, you know, um, collect rarity versus commodity, those things like that. You know, don't just follow. Don't just buy a card of a player because he had 37 points last night. You know, unless you've seen the player play and you think he's going to be awesome. There's there's obviously exceptions to everything, but that that's the general kind of 
rule or general advice I would give someone who's new to the hobby and new to the online aspect of it? Let's go to a few comments because we've got some coming in here and I've uh, we're getting behind on them. So I'm going to jump up to here we go. Charles, Charles, welcome to the show. Thank you for the congratulations. Really appreciate it. Aaron says, big card investors slash collectors in social media. I started seeing this explosion start about one year ago. Yes, I agree with that. So did I. Uh, trended earlier than sports break. It's an inflated by significant amount of NBA, MLB, NFL. Retail packs are more plentiful than six years when started back in cards, junk wax, and pop reports are high. A lot of, lot of information there, Aaron. Thank you for the comment. Amish Dave Archer, what's up with you, my man? Check out Amish Dave Archer's channel by the same name. Congrats on 50. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Mike Davis says there are more flippers than collectors lately. I, I mean, I, I would say there's still more collectors overall in the hobby, but as for new entrants, 100%, yes, more flippers that have entered the hobby recently versus collectors. That makes sense to me. Amit says there was a viewer on Josh's show that surfaced the topic of board money. How do we retain that? So first of all, thank you, Amit. Uh, by Josh's show, he's referring to Josh Johnson's Cardboard Chronicles, an amazing channel, one of my inspirations. Check out his channel, Cardboard Chronicles, and follow him on Instagram. He's one of the guys I was just referring to when I said there's lots of good story posts lately with people giving good advice. Seek out the guys with good advice. Follow at Cardboard Chronicles, among others, but just because Amit brought him up. Um, and yes, how do we retain those guys? Well, Jordan and I are going to talk about how do we how do we maintain and retain what's going on right now. Hopefully, we have some good ideas on that coming up soon. Rome says, and Rome, welcome. How many times has it crossed your mind to sell everything, if at all? That is a you know that right there. Could we could spend a lot of time talking about that one because I'll just take that first for a sec, Jordan. It occurred to me when I realized that we were going to sh into like shutdown worldwide in March. I thought, oh my gosh, are we going to, you know, what's this stuff going to be worth? Like, do I need to get out now? I I'm super glad I didn't sell a single card. But the the thought crosses the mind every so often, and then it quickly goes away because I think about how empty my life would feel if I sold my collection. And I, I can't even fathom that. So it goes away. How about you, Jordan? I mean, have you ever had that uh, inclination or even just the thought? Well, when you, <clears throat> excuse me, when you spend so much of your time and your energy and your money on anything, you often think, is it worth it? And so you think about how much money have you put into this? Imagine would it be 2x, 3x, 5x, 10x? Um, and you start thinking about, you know, could you buy a lake house with, you know, with that, you know, or, or could you help a lot of people or could you, you know, change your life? And um, you probably could, but but to your point, it'd be empty. And and I've had friends say, "What would you take for the whole thing?" You know, it's not an offer; it's just they're curious because here we are collecting cardboard, and there's quite a bit of value uh, in your collection. So um, I've thought about it. I've never actually you know entertained it. It's really more of just like you know, I wonder what that would be because I got back in in 2014 and bought a lot of cards that have now 10x you know and and haven't sold them. So um, you think about what you've put in and what it could be, and and um, I'm never really driven by money. I'm, like I said, driven by experience and, and connections and, um, you know, just kind of trying to figure out what, what your place in the world is, right? And so uh, cards have become a big part of all of our identity. Anybody watching this uh, brings a lot of joy, but it's also there's an attachment to these things that's personal. And um, it's not just cardboard and it's not just, you know, something you're goofing around with. It is a part of us. And, and uh, so, 
you know, would you sell your soul is the question. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Ziggy No says, I agree. The foundation of the hobby is built on collectors. And I just want to speak to that for a second because the foundation of the hobby is built on collectors and collectors. The reason why the hobby is, is so, you know, part of who we are is because of nostalgia. Nostalgia is at the core of a collector and collectors are the foundation of the hobby. So it all comes back down to nostalgia. And I think that is, is a good sign. It's a good, I think it's a truth. It's a good truth for everybody watching for the whole hobby, because, you know, we, we just saw it with the pandemic. The pandemic happens, all of a sudden, you know, finances are up in the air. No one knows what's going on. A lot of people are, are on government assistance. But what happened? The hobby took off. Nostalgia beat the economy. It, it crushed the economy. And that, to me, is a sign that these, you know, no matter how many flippers come in and out, have good or bad experiences, when we are sort of back to normal in the world, nostalgia will still be there. Therefore, the collectors will still be there and therefore the hobby will still be there. And hopefully some of these new people who came in and got their first taste of, of the hobby, it will have sparked that nostalgia in them and made them into, into true collectors and part of the foundation moving forward. And I, I, I think that's what's going to happen. And again, I don't know what those numbers are going to look like, but I know that there are some that will. Well, and I'll say this to finish the thought, <clears throat> excuse me, is... I, I, funny to say it, but I actually think uh, how supportive significant others and friends and people in your circle are of your hobby uh, existence it, it actually will play a role in, in how, uh, how many collectors will maybe stick around because uh, my wife's very supportive. She's great. Um, she understands. It brings me a lot of joy. It, it obviously allows us to, um, you know, have a side hustle and do some things too, where, you know, like there's value there, right? It's not just a black hole, although I, I do buy quite a bit more than I sell, but um, I mentioned that because I want to give and encourage, you know, people around collectors to embrace it and understand it uh, and understand it's actually more than just uh, a goofy little hobby where you go to a card shop or a card show. It's it's a really awesome part of our life. And there are ways to make money and there are times that we blow money on dumb stuff. But I think it's important to uh, have a great support system around you that support you and, and also you explain it. Uh, you help them understand what you're going through and, and why you're always on eBay and why you're on Instagram and who is this random guy? You don't even know him. You're meeting up with him or what are you doing? And 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 so anyway, I want anybody listening or any good dude who's a collector or anybody that needs to show this to their significant other to understand um, your husband's not alone. You know, there's a group of us who just who love this more than more than more than, you know, actually. Um, and um, and uh, it's not, you know, we take it seriously. We take it personal. But uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. You know, it's like anything, it's like a dart league or a softball team. You know, this is just our thing that gets us out of the house and, uh, is our escapism. But also, um, if you do it right, you actually make a lot of good friends and, and make a few bucks as well. Um, and so I just, I want to encourage those listening to show this to the people who, you know, maybe doubt them or don't understand it, uh, to know that there's a pretty serious community around this. And, and, um, I'm sure there's a lot of wives saying you're watching that thing again. Well, you know, he cares about it. He loves it, you know, embrace it and, and uh, encourage it. Maybe go to the show. And Jeremy, you told me, you know, you told me about that when a, a girlfriend's up, comes up to the booth, you know, tell me, tell me what you say to, to them when they come to a show, to your booth. 
<laughs> yeah. So if if I if a if a couple walks up to my booth at at the uh, at a card show and it's you know a, a man and a woman, I'll usually look at the at the at the guy and I'll say, ah, she dragged you to the card show again, didn't she? Something like that, you know. And then I, and then the the woman she's not expecting it. So she kind of, she, she'll snicker and she'll laugh and you can just tell it, it made her experience a little bit better. She got a laugh out of it and knows that we're not all, you know, this isn't just a hobby filled with, uh, with immature kids or, or nerds. You know, I'm, I'm a proud nerd, a meat watching. Now we call ourselves cardboard nerds. He coined the term cardboard nerds. It's not a derogatory comment, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, you talk about, you know, your significant others, your family, other people supporting the hobby. My experience have been pretty good lately with it. Like people are interested in this hobby when you tell them about it. Um, I was chatting with my father recently who sees what I'm doing here on the show. And he, he's like, wow, you're putting a lot of time into this show. I said, yeah. He goes, you know, are, is it taking away from anything in your life? I said, well, you know, I don't think so. Not, not really, but it's keeping me out of trouble. And there's something to be said for that. You know, if your wife or your girlfriend or your whoever is giving you your parents, your friend, they're, if they're kind of giving you a hard time for being in the hobby. Well, listen, it's keeping you out of trouble. It's it's better than gambling because you actually have something at the end of the day to show for it. Uh, and, and it's fun. And you're making, you know, meaningful relationships. If you're not, I shouldn't say you are, because I don't know if everyone out there is, but I know for me, I'm making meaningful relationships. I know many other people are too. So the hobby is a positive thing, and I think I think it's being it's being seen that way by more and more people now than it was, you know, in the '80s and '90s. Let's say so. Yeah, and I think to finish that thought, you're you're absolutely right. And people are saying, "What is this card thing all about?" I'm curious, and then they dive in, and next thing you know, they actually see a lot of joy. I've gotten some of my friends back into it, and they're buying stuff up, and they're like, "Jordan, this is this is something else, man. It's different when, than when I was a kid because now I have a few bucks and I can actually formulate a little more taste." Than just buying what I maybe saw in the shop, I you know I have the world at my fingertips to uh, to kind of formulate what I what I want my hobby experience to be now. So I, that's why I think a lot of people will stick around in the hobby is because of the access and, and those connections and and just the friendships that come out of it. So here's some great comments that have come in, uh, and thank you for that, Jordan. Here's some comments that have come in uh, regarding you know where we're getting for our information from for people who might be newer in the hobby. So let's have a look at these. Ziggy says, in my opinion, don't pay for information in the hobby. If they're charging you for info, you should ask why. I make money in the hobby and love to share knowledge for free, which I can attest Ziggy does share his knowledge for free on his YouTube channel. He goes on to say, there are two types of people in the hobby, those that love the hobby and those that love money from the hobby. I've never heard it put that way, but uh, but those are definitely two of the types of people uh, in the hobby. Uh, I'm sure there's a few more, but definitely that's a dichotomy that, that is worth considering. Um, Amish Dave Archer says, if folks are charging collectors for collecting info, they aren't in it for the right reasons, period. Ziggy agrees. Amish says, Zig, when folks are zagging. Ziggy says, Cardboard Chronicles charges for advice. He runs, oh, we're not going to put that up there, Ziggy. Let's not, we're not, we're not doing any of that, Ziggy, please. Um, okay, so, uh, and I will comment because that came up there. Uh, the course that Cardboard Chronicles that Josh has is an entry-level uh, course. It's for very beginner investors and it's fact-based, not opinion-based. So I would not uh, be aware of that whatsoever. That said, um, I do want to mention, so, so the sale of information, uh, that does happen out there. And I think what's, what we're seeing is we're seeing a lot of people come into the card hobby who were, who were in the gambling world. And, you know, in the gambling world, people charge for their picks on a weekly basis. 
And um, I think some of those people are now transferring that that uh, business model to the hobby. Let me charge you for my picks. And, you know, like has been said, uh, ignore those guys. Just ignore them. You can get better information for free than anyone will sell you in terms of their, their weekly picks. Uh, Legion says, look how fast Project 2020 blew up, then crashed and burned. Lots of gurus out there were hot on that set. Then the short Griffey caught them all out. Collectors still have nice set. Collectors still have a nice set. Investors got hit. That's right. Project 2020 was a big up and a big down. And now those cards are 20 bucks a piece for the most part or less. And you know what? I've got on my shelf behind me, I've got about 40 of them set up there in four rows and they look beautiful and I'm not into them for much money because I bought them all from Tops. And, uh, and I don't care what they're worth because they're just nice to look at and I don't care if the sun ruins them. Um, Ziggy loves Project 2020 as a collector. I agree. As a collector, Simon says, I kept up to date with all the so-called hobby top five card experts just so I can collect in the opposite direction of what they're there to tell the sheep to buy. Okay. Amit says, I've only ever thought of selling it all so that I can start fresh and have a slow and steady roll, but having the cards in front of me gives me peace. The peace is far more valuable to me, especially now. And I agree. It's like I said earlier, if you're having a bad day, but you're a hobbyist, you're a card collector, you can always turn to your cards, turn to your content, whatever it is, to, ha to have some fun, to brighten up your day. Jordan, you made the same sort of uh, comment a bit earlier as well. It's the hobby is there for you. I think that's kind of a, a good way to put it. the hobby is there for you. Sig says, great point. Memories are what we are all really collecting. The cards are triggers to memories, right? That's the whole nostalgia piece. Stoff says, too many people forget to enjoy themselves, right? Exactly. Hobby husbands are the safest kind. We ain't chasing tails, we chasing whales. <laughs> I love that. That's that's great. That's great to meet. Dave Kaplan, on a side note, just for Jeremy, tomorrow is the birthday of both Alexei Shamnov and Igor Ulanov. I love it, Dave. Two Winnipeg Jets from the 90s, back when the Jets were only drafting Russian players. Thank you, Dave. Simon says, was just chasing card porn, Amit. Card porn, right? That's another, that's a good hashtag, card porn, because that's the porn that guys like us like. Mike says, my wife actually lets me stop at card shops now. I don't have to hide it. Awesome. Rich is a proud nerd, right? We are proud nerds, no doubt, no doubt. What else we got here? We're going to run through the, the balance of these comments and get to the next topic here, but we do have more coming in. Amit says, my wife knows I need to find a hobby shop in any city I visit. I made her drive two hours to a shop on our honeymoon. Did you really, Amit, two hours on your honeymoon? But I agree, right? Jordan, how many times have you traveled in the last couple of years? Well, pre-pandemic, Jordan, and that's what you always, you even planned it before, do you not? How do you approach traveling to a new city. Do you look for a, for an LCS when you go there? I do. I do. I think it's important if you're if you're in any city to try to maximize your time there. And so whatever it is, if you're looking up restaurants or uh, entertainment or, or, you know, bars or music or whatever you're into, um, it has become more of a habit, you know, to just find out whatever is going on. And I'll drive an hour out of the way to go to a, a card shop. And, um, you know, oftentimes I go to Detroit, you know, I would go to Detroit and there'd be something on the outskirts and I find some of the best cards there because nobody will go there. So um, the, we all love the hunt. If you're in the hobby, you love the hunt. There's something beautiful about uh, being able to look those up and then connect with those shop owners. And and um, I've left, uh, you know, 20 plus shops saying, hey, if you got any of this guy or that guy, let me know. And I've emailed with those guys and, and kind of followed up with them for many years. So always hunting down music, bars, food and card shops. 
There it is, man. There it is. <laughs> Food and card shops for me. Right there, right there. Steve Elmore, welcome to the show. Hello to you. Dave says, I like cards just as much as the next guy, but pack ripping is especially the same as gambling. And I don't disagree with that uh, at all, really, because pack ripping is the, you know, it, it, it's one way to get cards into your hands in the hobby versus buying singles. It, and we need pack rippers. With no pack rippers, there's no secondary market for the current cards. So, Thankfully, we have those the breakers and the, and the people who buy in and the pack and case rippers. I certainly appreciate all that. Um, but yeah, there's definitely a gamble impo imposed uh, or implied there. And one of the things I heard of, I heard it said well. Somebody somebody said to me, you know, the money you pay that is in excess of the value you get from a box is called the breaker tax. So you're that's the tax you pay to have that experience of opening up that product and opening the pack and hoping for the big hit because when that big hit happens trust me you're going to be talking about it for a long time there's nothing quite like it right have you ever pulled a big are you a pack ripper at all jordan have you ever pulled a, a big card i have never pulled a big card um i used to open cheap packs as a kid you know collector's choice um and then open a lot of 90s stuff but uh man i still to this day have never pulled a huge card you know i had a i was down at the super bowl and we stopped at Walmart or Target or something and grabbed some Prism football, and I, you know, got like a two hundred dollar Kyler Disco rookie or something. You know, it's like you'll get a hundred or two hundred dollar hit, which is great. I'm not being ungrateful for that, but we're talking about a, a huge hit where you're talking over a thousand bucks or even five, ten grand. Never. No, I, I it, it's it's tough to do, right? And when you, that's why you don't, you know, and people who do hit them, they'll show them on on Instagram, Facebook, wherever. And uh, and then other people see it and they they might think it's so easy to do, but it's not because that same person hasn't shown you the hundreds of rips that didn't that didn't have the same fruits of the of the labor type of thing. They didn't provide the same type of positive and, and uh, you know, financially beneficial uh, results. So be careful of that, too. I think that's a good message. Uh, Bobby Burrell, welcome to the show, Bobby. Bobby says, and those who like to document the hobby too. I I'm not sure what that's in reference to right now, but yes, let's not forget the people who document the hobby and pour their heart and souls into, into the hobby. The, the history of the hobby to me is as if not more interesting than the history of the sports that we are collecting. So, And Bobby is, uh, is a, a, an extraordinary person at documenting the hobby, uh, being vintage vintage hockey hobby memorabilia and cards awesome stuff uh dave says vegas dave will say well dave vegas dave will sell you his picks i'm sure he will hey he did pretty well on a card not too long ago so you you know the guy the guy's made a few decent moves with that trout the trout super fractor i think he turned 400 grand into 4 million so you know i know he gets a lot of knocks but the guy just made three and a half million bucks all right uh, Billy says, it isn't a scam to get paid for your time. Just because someone gives away their time for free doesn't make the knowledge any better or worse. Uh, that's true, but 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 you still have to assess the, the knowledge itself that's being shared. Some is better, some is worse. Whether you pay for it or not, yes, I agree. That does not necessarily impact whether it's good or bad. Uh, Mike says, a meat in sickness and in health for rich and poor when values are up and values are down, a big hit or nothing but commons. Yeah. We are hockey. We are hobby husbands. That's a great way to put it. Uh, Ziggy wants to know where I can follow Jordan YouTube IG. Let's put that up there right now again. Follow Jordan on Instagram, and his podcast is for the hobby. So we'll leave that up there and running right now. 
Aaron says, I feel bad for the kids in the current hobby market. It's so inflated for packs. What's really different in the packs than since five or six years ago? Cards are not that much different. Tops, for example. I mean, uh, the hobby has changed. That's all I can say. That's a that's a whole episode on its own, Aaron. Uh, in my opinion, I could talk about that for quite some time, but we're not going to get into it right now. But, uh, but great comment. Billy says, great shop in Nashville. Grand Slam Sports. Awesome. Bobby does. Bobby does. Okay. We're, I got, got to the end of the comments, which was my goal there. We're at hour 20 minutes and we're, we're not done yet. So let's keep on going, uh, Jordan. Um, how do we keep this level of excitement in the hobby sustainable? We touched on it a few minutes ago. I want to hear your thoughts. And I know you're your creative guy. You've got some ideas. You've done things before in the past. How do you see uh, we as we as hobbyists can help sustain the level of transaction and excitement that the hobby is seeing in the last few months? That's a good question. Um, and I don't have all the answers, but I do have some ideas and suggestions and thoughts. Um, and, and I'm welcome and open to those thoughts from other people too. And, and that's part of for the hobby is to curate those thoughts and to, to connect with people who have ideas uh, and then to facilitate and help bring those ideas to life. So I think um, nurturing the younger collectors to kind of get them involved, um, pushing each other to be better, pushing each other to create more buzz, more energy, pushing the brands to not just crank out product and collect checks, but to continue to do the marketing, to level up the marketing. Um, I actually compare the hobby right now to kind of when Michael Jordan was involved with Nike, right? Michael Jordan came around and uh, created some energy around sneakers and sold a ton the first year. And then Nike had to try to top themselves year after year after year. And you say, how, how are they going to top this? Well, Michael kept winning championships and the NBA grew because of Michael. And then there was Penny Hardaway and there was Shaq and there was there's always going to be exciting players coming into these uh, different sports. So I actually think the, the card brands have done a really good job uh, leveling up and continuing to adapt and evolve and make sure that we get cards into people's hands. That is the number one thing I can stress to everybody. Find a way to get cards into people's hands because if they have that gene, as you mentioned a lot, people will find a way to love those cards and, and they'll grow it. I went from a base card to owning one of the the possibly one of the best collections of Brett Favre on the planet, right? So, but that stemmed from nurturing it and, and having good relationships and building it and, and having goals and things like that. So I think as a group, we should all continue conversations around not just, hey, what cards do you have for sale? Um, but what are you working on? How can I be of service? How can I help you? Um, do you know anybody that would like this project I'm working on? Um, project 2020, you know, people can say what they want, but they did a great job bringing in some outside, you know, artists to, create energy and and love it or hate it and and lose money, make money. Tops did a great job bringing some freshness to the industry. And so continuing that innovation, that creativity and, and finding more talented people to come from other industries into the hobby to infuse that creativity and to infuse their skills, whether it's video skills, podcast skills, whatever that is. So I think talent is always the thing, you know, the NBA one was dying in the eighties and they said, how do we infuse energy? Well, Michael Jordan will help. Charles Barkley will help. Malone and Stockton, Shaq, Penny. When talent comes around, it can completely transform an industry. And so it's up to us to find and curate that talent to bring them onto projects that can completely change and transform and help evolve the hobby, in my opinion. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I love it, man, because 
we are in such a we're at such a peak in the hobby right now and I, I say peak without knowing is it a peak or are we still going up i don't know for sure but but we are at such a height in the hobby right now and of course we all want to see it sustain and you you said something great to me last night and you did something on instagram not too long ago to get you know to continue the excitement to keep people engaged and there's different sort of um campaigns that we can do we can start them up just you know very quite randomly Tell us about the one that that you were involved in. I don't know if you were involved in starting it or if you took part in it um, not too long ago. Something about showing some cards. Can you explain that and and how you thought it went over and and did it help to 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 sort of maintain this level of excitement that we're seeing? Yeah. So when the last dance happened, uh, there was a lot of energy around it, of course, and and especially in the hobby. And um, somebody who's one of my best friends in the hobby, uh, a couple of guys actually, but Chris McGill. Uh, and Josh from Cardboard Chronicles are two of the the most, you know, talented, brilliant dudes in the hobby. We're always talking about cards, you know, on Instagram, but also just phone calls and things to talk about, you know, how can we all come together? So in talking to Chris, who of course has the House of Jordans podcast, they were doing so much great content and recaps around the last dance. And so leading up to that, I said, Chris, how do we do something that gets some engagement here, right? Instead of just talking about it, you're going to get viewership. It's going to be up and that's fine. Cards are going to be going up, which is great. But how do we do something where we can uh, kind of serve the hobby during this, you know, and 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 create some banter and a hashtag? And Instagram really is a, a great place for that. So we started what was called Three Jordan Cards, and uh, it was kind of the brainchild of of you know Chris, Josh, and and I all kind of just brainstorming it, and and they brought attention to it. Those guys have great attention in the hobby. So uh, for the hobby, it was kind of just getting started, and so. That actually helped us grow to over 700 followers, which of course is still very modest. But uh, a lot of people kind of discovered for the hobby in my Instagram from three Jordan cards, and we had over 160 submissions of that. And and you know, so it was post uh, your three favorite Jordan cards and why. Tell us the story of those three cards. Use this hashtag and and then uh, tag three friends and nominate three friends. Um, and man, I, I can't even tell you reading those stories. I was like, not only are they powerful, but you know, it really paused people to just posting big cards to actually posting the most meaningful cards. Um, and then we put it to a vote and it was just incredible on Instagram stories. We had so much, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of votes uh, and, and uh, Waldorf stories. My friend Grant actually ended up winning um, and we gave him a trophy and, and sent him some cards. And, and, you know, he loves it. He sent me a video of his son, like playing with his, you know, matchbox cars in his trophy, just, just a really engaging thing. Um, and more, more importantly, people discovered, uh, each other. Right. And it was really fun to start seeing the people connecting just because of that. And they're like, man, I never knew you love base cards or something. Right. And, and so it really opened the Avenue up to, uh, the element of discovery. Uh, and, and it was just perfectly timed with the last dance. And, and I think that's important to your point earlier for us to do things that are timely and relevant, uh, striking while the iron's hot is really what good marketing comes down to. So, uh, that was super fun. I mean, it was humbling just to have everybody connecting through a hashtag that we created. Um, and I, I do say we because, you know, I, I have ideas, but without the community and without friends giving me the courage to push that forward and giving exposure to it, it's just a random idea. And so it was super fun. And now we launched three LeBron cards. So I did the first post just to celebrate him and, um, you know, hoping we spread the word on that and, and it'd be awesome to get over a hundred entries, but, uh, I know there's a lot of LeBron collectors, so, um, let's fire that up boys. 
Yeah, you know, it's a good idea because it creates engagement. It gets people involved. And instead of just sitting there and scrolling through Instagram and scrolling through Facebook and scrolling through eBay all day long, it actually gives us collectors the opportunity to post some of our cards, share them with the others. You're going to get the likes. You're going to see some comments. Everybody likes to see that. It makes you feel a part of the community and start your own too. You know, I don't, I'm not, I'm not saying I want to see a hundred of these new, new, uh, uh, hashtag campaign starting over the next few months. But you know, if there's not one in your genre, I've seen some guy, I follow a lot of hockey collectors and there's some guys that they they're doing this daily challenge, post, post this vintage, post this oddball, post this, whatever it may be. And we're seeing all sorts of different uh, levels of involvement. So it's one way to create engagement. And I think engagement will help to create retention in the hobby, which we need in order for the hobby to continue to flourish as it is. And for when it does correct, not to not 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 to like um, crash, and I don't want to use that word at all, even, but not to see a major correction, but just a, a correction that is kind of reflects the true sense of the market that you know we are going to lose some people over time, but hopefully we'll gain we'll gain as many as we lose at the same time, right? Which is definitely possible. Let's keep going. Sports card investor Jeff Wilson knows. Hello to you. Cardboard Nostalgia Billy says, can Jordan speak to the level of interest about the hobby among his clients or people related to different sports leagues? We will get there. Amit says, sports card investor, welcome to the show. Ziggy says, I'm looking for the hobby to break through on LinkedIn. There are thousands of professionals on LinkedIn with expendable income. In my profession, I have yet to meet another hobbyist. I've wondered about LinkedIn myself, Ziggy, if that's a good avenue for uh, for collectors to start you know, providing content, uh, streaming live. I know with StreamYard, you can stream live right to LinkedIn as well. So I wonder if that will take off. It probably will eventually to some extent. Rich says, I think PSA set registry is a good example for really increasing interest in graded cards. I think registry is similar for even non-graded price pieces. Keep the hobby, uh, keep up the hobby drive. I agree with that. Ziggy says, good evening to, to sports card investor. Mike says, remember, hit the thumbs up button. Please hit the thumbs up button, everybody. Simon, it will be interesting to see what happens if next year's NBA rookie class is a big drop off from the last few classes. And if that has a hobby effect, that will have a hobby effect regardless of what the rookie class looks like, because the NBA rookie class is a huge, huge impact on the on the hobby every year, no matter, you know, strong, strong hobby or weak, weak hobby or same, you know, average could be a decent hobby or, but it definitely, definitely has an impact on it for sure. For sure. Uh, what do we have here? Mike Lotus sports card invest. What's going on with the comments here? Hold on. My comments are not working right now, guys. I don't not. Okay. Ziggy. No, I always try to remind everyone like Jeremy says, it's good for the algorithm thingy. Thank you. If you're hitting the like button, I greatly appreciate it. And we have some hellos going back and forth from the viewers. I appreciate you all. Thank you so much. Amish Dave Archer. I don't dog folks that rip wax, but when you're spending 5K in a box of NT to try to pull the Zion RPA, that's going to leave a sour taste in people's mouth, especially newbies. I, I agree with that. But you know what? I think when you're spending 5K on a box of NT, you, you, you have to know going in what your chances are of hitting that big card. If you don't know, then yeah, it's going to leave a bad taste in your mouth. It, it might anyway, but you need to know what you're getting involved. And that's why due diligence in the hobby is so important. Scrutinize everything. Scrutinize the information you're getting. Scrutinize the products you're buying. Scrutinize the, the players you're investing in or collecting, all of that. 
Uh, Amit says, that's a super dope idea regarding the Instagram connecting stories. I think so too. Ah, these comments are coming in slow. I'm not sure why, guys. I apologize for, de for the delay. Sports card investor, I'm assuming that, that that is you, Jeff, behind there, says, I met Jordan at dinner at Dr. Beckett's house in February. He was a really interesting guy. I'm sure this has been a great episode. Thank you, Jeff. It has been a great episode, and Jordan is a wonderful uh, person in the hobby. And, yes, yeah, super interesting for sure. Ziggy says, sports card investor, best sports card interview show in the hobby, sports cards live. Oh, I, okay. I thought, because Ziggy, I thought you were saying sports card investor is the best interview show on the hobby, but I've heard you say that about, about sports cards live on all your dailies. So I was wondering if you were going, uh, if, you, if you were sort of cheating on me then, but I appreciate it. And uh, thank you for that. Absolute seconds it. I appreciate that absolute. There it is, guys. There it is from Jeff Wilson, sports card investor. I hope you can see it on the screen, his signature, how he opens up his episodes. Hello, sports card investors, and welcome to another episode. I got I got it down, Jeff. I've got it down. Amit says, LinkedIn, while good, I prefer to keep my hobby separate from my career. That's a great point, Amit. I do too. I'm on LinkedIn, but no hobby content on there whatsoever. And I think that's the way to go. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, I... I used to do it for Facebook too. I said only personal stuff on Facebook and now it's been mostly hobby stuff. Where do you fall on that, Jordan, on the LinkedIn side of things? I mean, I think any way to share your knowledge, your passion, your, you know, kind of what you're good at, your intelligence, whatever it may be. Uh, I think creatively finding a way to do that on any platform is a good idea. So um, I actually think, you know, although you keep it separate, uh, you're a pillar of the hobby. So for you to find some creative, unique way, and even if it's very formal to show that uh, on LinkedIn, why not? You know, I think it's part of your personality. Uh, and if anybody meets you and, and then discovered you were doing the show and so they, why didn't, why don't you tell me, why didn't you say that? I've kind of found that with a lot of people um, to where now I, I just tell everybody what's going on in my life, personally, professionally, cards, sports. Um, you know, there's something to, to be said about leaving some things to the imagination, but uh, like I said, any way to show your intelligence, your your passion, your knowledge, uh, I'm all about it. But just do it, you know, politely and respectfully and, and in a creative way, because people will always appreciate your creativity and your approach oftentimes more than your information. And if the information is good, too, you're going to be undefeated. Yeah, that, that's a great point, man. And, you know, the other thing just to add on to that for me is that, you know, if we we spend so much time on this hobby. May I, we, the collective, we, myself, everybody watching, I know we all spend a lot of time within our hobby. And so why do we feel the need to hide it from certain people or to keep it separate from our professional lives? I mean, in, on, on LinkedIn, I'm connected to however many people through the professional platform of LinkedIn, but I'm not ashamed of my hobby. I'm proud of it. I love it. So I got to really assess that and, and decide, like, is it something that I'm not, first of all, I'm not active on LinkedIn anyway. So it's not like I'm just going to start going on. I don't have time to add another platform just to get out there with hobby stuff and talking about it, but maybe once in a while and letting people know in my professional network, know that, Hey, I'm involved if you're, and that would probably help grow the hobby. Even one person at a time, somebody out there is going to see my stuff on LinkedIn. If I start posting anything out there and they're going to say, Oh, Jeremy's into cards. I used to collect cards. I, I got to check this out again. I forgot about that. You know, it's not a bad idea. So, and I agree, you know, we don't have to be 
ashamed. We shouldn't be ashamed of this hobby. It's a lot different than it was before. You know, it was more, I don't want to say, this is going to sound terrible, but I'll say it anyway, just for the sake of the discussion. It was more shameful in the past, I think, than it is now. And the only reason for that is because now it's, it's not considered, at least I don't consider it as much of a kid's hobby as I used to, or as the general population used to. Now people are realizing that, hey, this is a serious hobby. It's not just for kids. I don't know if it was ever really just for kids, but it's real. And there's all sorts of content on that recently. And I've had, we've had segments of the show talking about that before. So we won't, we won't in on that right now, but you know, we need to be proud of what we're doing. Don't be shameful that you're in this hobby. I don't think we need to hide it from anybody. And I'm going to almost look at this whole, this whole discussion over the last couple of minutes as a challenge to myself to be to be in my in all areas of my life let's move along jake says i'm also interested in linkedin for sharing card info and content trying sorry trying to figure out the right strategy to keep it professional yeah keep it professional on that platform for sure i think makes sense uh aaron says jordan at doctors beckett's house vip how did you get there do you want to mention how you got there jordan i because jeff wilson from sports card investor mentioned earlier that he saw you there any comment? Are you willing to comment on that? Sure. I'll keep it simple. But um, Dr. Beckett has a hobby dinner every year. He's done it for, I think, the last five years. Um, and we all know Dr. Beckett. He's, he's a legend. You know, he's somebody who really um, was extremely important in the hobby and still is. Um, and the fact that he's willing to, to share his knowledge and, and he um, has been very generous with his time. And if you ever listen to his podcast, it's it's really great. Um and he has great episodes where he tries to share that information. So it started where I uh, caught wind that he had a podcast. So I started listening and he puts his email address out there. So I emailed him and we, we built a little rapport. I connected with Rich Klein, who is his right-hand man. Rich is a great guy. He shared so much knowledge with me as well. Um, very grateful for that. And then um, just got talking to Dr. Beckett. I call him Jim. And uh, he said, um, you know, we wanted to kind of uh, maybe be on each other's podcast or something. And, and he invited me to be on and, and I you know, said, hey, I'm in Wisconsin. Should we do a, a virtual thing? And I'd like to be in person. Let me know if you're ever in Dallas. And so uh, I tried to to set up a time to just take the trip. I mean, to, to meet Jim and connect. And he said, you know, what, why don't you um, why don't you come down to my hobby dinner? You know, we'll, we'll kill two birds with one stone and come and hang out and, um, you know, be a part of it and, and then be on the podcast. So um, just I think being an NFL agent, being a, a far uh, collector, a diehard, I shared some cards and things, um, gave him context. You know, he's not just inviting anybody down there. Um, so, uh, Jim has a very good judge of character. He, he really is good at curating groups of people to, uh, to, uh, create really awesome banter. And so, um, very lucky to do that. And, uh, one of the coolest things that ever happened, uh, to me in the hobby is, is just, uh, connecting with Jim and, um, becoming friends and, um, you know, and, and, and being on this mission, which is what Dr. Beckett's mission was, uh, was to uplift the hobby and just, you know, have integrity and be good to people. And so, uh, I'm, I'm very happy to be connected with Jim be a part of what he's doing and and honestly to carry on his legacy and his mission um, for years to come. That, that's awesome, man, that you're taking it on to carry that on, you know, yourself, not by yourself, but that you are looking to do that. That says a lot about your yourself and your character and how you truly are for the hobby. Um, and I will, I will say as well, uh, Dr. Jim Beckett was a guest on, on my show uh, episode number 30. It was, and uh, an awesome guest. He, and you know, he, he's such a, a nice guy. He, when I reached out to him, he said, you know, I'd like to repay the favor and have you come on my podcast. And I was like, oh, wow, like what an honor that is. You know, I've been, 
I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm OG. Like I, I'm buying the Beckett issues number number ones in the late '80s, early '90s when they, you know, when they went past baseball and went into hockey, football, and basketball. I remember issue one of each of those magazines coming out. So to have him on my show was truly an honor, and to be asked to go on his podcast was, you know, uh, truly an honor as well. So great guy. Let's keep on rolling through here. Jason Bringle, welcome to the show, my friend. Break time. Get to catch a few minutes of you guys. Awesome. Great to have you, Jason. Uh, Jeff says, haha, good job. That must be to me doing the hello, sports investors. Thank you, Jeff. I'm glad that didn't offend you and you got a kick out of it. That's the, that was the purpose. Ziggy says, as a sales professional, sports is the easiest way to build rapport. I think using sports cards as a bridge to build rapport in business is key. Lots of wine collectors in my profession. I agree. I, I I have a lot of people that I deal with in my day job on a regular basis. And I try to bring up that I collect sports cards because it's just something that people are like, that's interesting. You know, it, it, everybody wants to hear about it, which is awesome. I find it very complimentary to, to myself and our hobby. It's pretty awesome. Simon says, if we, Simon says, if we get too many business CEOs and money men, et cetera, all they will want to do is buy up all the big cards in the hobby and then sell shares in them. We are seeing some of that for sure lately. Autographing was a line on my med school application CV. Hilarious. <laughs> because this guy, Rich, is a big in-person autograph collector. One of the, one of the, and he makes his own custom cards and doesn't, they're beautiful. Jake says, Ziggy, I think wine collecting and card collecting share a lot of parallels. Fair comment. Amit agrees, but not out of embarrassment, but to quote Tony Soprano, I don't bleep where I eat. Yeah, well, why not? Why not? I think Tony meant it in a different context, Amit, but, you know, uh, to share your hobby with people in all aspects of your life, uh, we'll talk about that offline, you and me. Uh, me and Amit, this is this is a guy that we, we have regular conversations, so we can take that offline sometime and get into a bit further. Jump in, please. I will say um, I truly believe I, I've kind of, you know, become more confident in just being myself, right? And, and part of doing that is is becoming a professional and surrounding yourself with people who encourage you and give you the courage to be yourself and do what makes you happy. And so I think to his point on on this with Amit is I believe if you post about things you love, that that love will come back. And if you, I actually think being a collector of cards, and especially if you're a diehard, especially if you have your stuff together and you're not just like a wild man, you know, maybe it's even interesting that way, it makes you a more interesting person. And if you can explain it in a way that's articulate, people are very curious about that. I'll give you a quick story. So Chris from the House of Jordans, he said, Jordan, if you put 10 cards on a table at a party, at a dinner party, people are going to think that's super interesting. What are these cards? Oh, I know Michael Jordan. I know this guy. Who is that? How much is this worth? What is this brand? Oh, that's kind of a cool one. It, we don't have that context, right? Like if you put out 10 cards and a bunch of hobbies come over, they're like, dude, those are common. Like, what are those? I don't know what that is. But 10 strangers who don't know anything about cards think it's super interesting. So I think professionally, when you share things you love, and I've had friends at brands and things that say, man, Jordan, props to you. You were on this. You were ripping cards in 2014 of 90 stuff. Now this is exploding. What do you think of this? And I said, I mean, I'm just doing what I love. So it's great. It's nice that everybody else in society is kind of coming on board. So I don't look at it as blanking where you eat. I look at it as if you post who you are, what you are, it actually makes you quite a bit more of an interesting person. The more I meet hobbyists and I learn about their personal lives or their interests outside of cards, the more I think they're incredibly interesting. 
And so I, I just think it's at the end of the day, posting who you are, like I said, in a formal, professional, respectful way can actually win more people over, in my opinion. So uh, I like that you challenge yourself. Same for me. I'm always trying to find out ways to intertwine the things in my life to make my life more interesting and more enjoyable. Yeah, man. Well, well said. You know, I, I think what you just said, it ties in a lot to, uh, you know, Ziggy said it earlier in terms of building rapport, building rapport in, in anything, business, doing a show, having an audience is so important. And when you build rapport, sorry, you can you can use your hobby as a method to build rapport with with people in, in, in normal business life in whatever you're doing. So, you know, use it to your advantage, not 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 in a in a selfish way but in a way to, to, to cultivate stronger relationships. And, you know, it, that will become self-serving because business is all about relationships. There, there's no two ways about it. That's what it's all about relationships. So building rapport is, is, is a way to build a relationship. And if you can use your hobby to build that rapport with somebody, cause you find commonality, the way to build rapport is to find commonality and finding com. We are very fortunate in this hobby that it, it you know, most people, most men collected cards as, as when they were young. If you're in North America, chances are you, you've had a pack of baseball cards or hockey cards at some point in your lifetime. So we have that already in common. If not the cards themselves, then the sports. Everybody knows about sports. Everybody knows who Michael Jordan, LeBron James are. So you can talk about these things and build rapport. That will help build a relationship and that will lead to a more successful life overall. That 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 I'll, I'll go to my grave with that, uh, you know, quoting that, quoting myself on that. So. Anyway, let's keep on going. Um, I like this. What Colin says, he says, some of my bigger deals come from people that I know or a family member hooks me up. And, you know, those people, you know, aren't going to hook you up if they don't know that you're going to treat people well. Right. So that's another thing to say. We got to treat people well. Uh, Ziggy, Ziggy's on fire tonight. Uh, if I have a client that is into sports, I will give him a graded card from his favorite team. They love it. I've done it twice. They don't have to know the value, but they love the gesture. Yeah, it's a great gesture for sure. Aaron wants to say, thanks for sharing, Jordan. I'm over in Minnesota, collecting since the mid 80s. Love to sell you all my farms for cheap. There you go. I'm going to put, uh, we'll, we'll put Jordan's contact information, how to reach out to him again at the bottom on the ticker. So there you can reach out to Jordan on Instagram at four.the.hobby or at farvcards and check out his podcast, which is called for the hobby on the various uh, podcast platforms and and on youtube as well okay let's move along jordan so again everybody thank you for joining us this is the 50th episode of sports cards live um you know this ep this show was was born out of the pandemic uh looking for something to do with my time in you know to keep busy and this came about and it's it, it's led to awesome episodes I'm happy to have Jordan on with me for episode number 50 because he's such a positive guy. He loves the hobby, as you can tell if you haven't been able to tell already. So having a ton of fun. Stick around. Don't leave yet because we're going to get to card of the day. We're going to get to the Sports Cards Live 5. I have a few kind of neat little surprises. Nothing crazy, but a few neat surprises that, we'll, that you'll see soon enough. So we will get there. We will get there. I promise you. All right, Jordan. We're gonna, we're, we, you know, I wanted to talk about '90s inserts. Uh, I, I don't know that we're gonna really have time to get into that for so, for for too long, but I, I teased it. So let's talk. Let's just spend two to three minutes on '90s inserts and just how important they are. Sp speak tonight. I'm not even gonna preface it with how important they are. Please speak to '90s inserts. How do you feel about them and their place in the hobby? Yeah. So I was born in 1985, and um, 
back then a lot of paper cards straight up, you know, tops was, uh, you know, and Fleer and Donruss and those things were um, in the eighties and, and early nineties, that's all there was. And so the evolution of cards um, and the ability to innovate and, and come up with more creative ideas, the, the gold foil, the first day issue, the, you know, and then all these inserts started to pop up. And then in the, in the early to mid nineties, we started to see scoring Kings. We started to see a lot of these foil inserts and then refractors and some of these things came. And of course, refractors are parallels, but parallels and inserts from the nineties, I think were, and still are a foundational piece of the hobby. Um, usually it's athletes like a mantle or a Hank Aaron or some of these guys, a Gretzky. Um, but what happens is when you marry up these incredible athletes with incredible artwork and innovation and design, and then hard pack odds, rarity, um, you have some of the most sought after cards on the planet. And, uh, I actually love, uh, I'll show you this real quick. These aren't expensive, but you know, here's a, a sheet of Michael Jordan. Um, you know, granted again, it's a parallel, but to me inserts and parallels and things that create energy. This is a card that I lusted over as a kid that I couldn't sniff uh, a gold medallion, Michael Jordan card. It was probably 50 bucks or something. Um, and, and now to have a page of them and, and to be able to have a Michael Jordan insert collection and Griffey and Favre, um, it was a very, um, important time for cards. Um, and, and as it was coming out of the crash of like, let's say 92, 88, that junk wax era, uh, it really picked back up and, um, created a foundational piece now where I, I do think that was a big part of why guys my age got back into the hobby to chase down the rubies, the credentials, and some of these extremely high priced and rare items um, that we would all agree are, are, are beautiful cards. Most people, some think they're ugly, but uh, the prices show that there's a lot of people um, with budgets that, that really think they're great. And uh, I love a lot of the modern cards now, right? But, but uh, I think that era was incredibly important to the hobby. Uh, well said, man, and very succinct, which I appreciate, especially this late in the episode. And I'll add that, you know, we always, the hobby has always looked back at vintage as sort of like the stable, the stable area of the hobby. And it certainly is and has been. But I'm, I think that, that these 90s inserts, they are a new area of stability. They, because like you said, so many people grew up in the 90s that are active in the hobby now that have discretionary income. And that's what they remember. They don't remember. They don't remember collecting Mickey Mantle cards in the fifties. They weren't around. They remember chasing Michael Jordan cards, Derek Jeter cards, Wayne Gretzky cards. They remember collecting those cards in the nineties. So I think that that's the and you know it was truly a turning point in the hobby in terms of the creativeness. Fleer leading the way with the the the, the arenas, the designers from Arena Designs, I believe they are legendary in the hobby. And uh, so I agree, 90s cards are super important. Uh, Jake jumps in, it's funny, Jake's name is 90s b-ball cards and he'll say they are king, especially basketball. And I don't argue with that, but I do think, and this is, was one of the things I wanted to touch on in the context of 90s inserts is that it's not just basketball, it's baseball, it's football, it's hockey. All, all of the sports have amazing inserts from the 90s. Yes, basketball leads the way, no doubt. And it's probably had something to do with the rise in values of some of the other sports inserts from the 90s because people are seeing all the attention paid to them in basketball, realizing how beautiful they are, how creative they are, how revolutionary they were for their time. The, the you know, acetate, acetate uh, die cut on cardboard and vice versa. I still love that stuff when they put it out today. So, all right. 90 stuff important. Jordan, finish us off, finish off the topic. I would just say a, a big part of it was there was so much money in the hobby 
that these brands were pouring money into the process of creating cards, which is almost nearly impossible for brands to do now because it's not cost effective. So thinking about they, it's like a piece of art. You spend so much money to create it. Um, that scarcity, that rarity, it's just, you may never see that again. And so that I, that's why I think it's so important. All right. We're going to move on. We are going to, um, we're going to, we're going to, we're, we're going to talk about Jordan being an, an NFL agent a little bit later when we go into overtime after the two hour mark. But for now we are going to shift focus and we are going to go into uh, one second here, guys, we are going to move into the phase of the show that I like to call the PC card of the day. There you go. That's what I'm talking about. Something new and exciting. It's an overlay guys. It's an overlay. First time I've, I've really ever done one on the show. Thought I'd do it for episode 50. So we're going to go into the PC card of the day. And this is where I show a card from my personal collection that ties into the guest. We are going to do some show until a little bit later, but I got to get this done before the two hour mark. So the, our guest name tonight, as you guys all know, his name is Jordan. He's a basketball guy too. Loves his basketball cards, loves his football cards. My PC card of the day, I'm cheating. I'm doing two cards, just like in the, in the, in the overlay there. I'm going to show a couple of Michael Jordan. These are base cards. So we have talked about base cards tonight and how there's thousands and thousands of them out there. But there's something special about these two base cards as far as Michael Jordan goes. These are the base cards of parallels that are among the most sought after in the hobby. They're both from 97 Flair Metal and Flair Metal Championship, I believe. And uh, they're, they're just amazing cards in terms of what the hobby was doing. And they're both by Arena Designs from Flair back in the day. And um, I'm just going to show those off. We're going to keep this quick. These are the cards of the day, guys. They're, they're beautiful. They're base cards. And that's it. They're beautiful in their base cards. And you don't see a lot of, you know, well, we do see lots of beautiful base cards these days, but these are special. And I, what I love about them, again, is that the parallels that they have, you know, there's a parallel of this card here that's worth $400,000 that we saw sell over just over a year ago. Now it's probably worth like double that. So yeah. in any event, this is the card of the day segment, guys. Michael Jordan, Jordan Hagedorn, it all ties together. Jordan, I had to get that in there, even though I know you've got cards to show. Yep. So I want to say, um, love that. I love base cards. I'm obsessed with base cards. So great choice. Um, Gene and Earl from Marine Design have actually become some of my best friends in the hobby. They're they're incredible people. Uh, they're actually going to be on episode seven before the hobby. So stay tuned for that. But uh, they are amazing, amazing people in this hobby, personally and professionally. And so uh, amazing choice. And I'm glad that worked out. Awesome. Thank you. We're going to go to a few comments quickly. And then we're going to get into Sports Cards Live 5 with you, Jordan. Um, so first of all, I want to show uh, Amit's comment here. He said, I find it very interesting that when I'm set in my mind about doing a certain thing, a guest comes along and blows it all up. I love this. Thanks, Jordan. So there you go, Jordan, having an effect on, you know, changing some minds and some ways of thinking about things. That's very awesome. Aaron says, don't tease us, Jeremy. Well, there was one of my surprises. It's just an overlay. I mean, I hope I didn't let you down out there. I probably did. I know it's not that big of a deal, but I spent I spent some time making those things. So thanks so much. Simon Meredith says, props to Arena Design. Oh, yeah, we owe them a, a, a debt of gratitude for the beauty of the cards that we have for sure. Uh, there we go. Ooh, ah, on the overlay, new graphics. Nice. Thank you. Oh, my God. He figured out overlays. Watch out. I'm going to try and keep it simple there, uh, Carlos. But yes. Legion likes it. Wow, fancy. I appreciate that. Um, Aaron says, do we need to talk about Jordan as an agent? No disrespect at all. Isn't it more about sports cards? Well, yeah, it's more about sports cards. And we're going to find a way to tie that in. Definitely we will. 
FLIR Metal Universe, right? Yes, that those are FLIR Metal Universe. Uh, they're both FLIR Metal Universe, but I know that like these cards, they're labeled the exact same, except the number is the number is even the same. So I think they're from someone, you know, Jake will know exactly what these are. Jake, if you want to educate us, because I don't know exactly what they are. I just know that they're both beautiful cards and they both have amazing parallels related to them. So the 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 97 one is Fleer Metal Universe, and then the other one is Fleer Metal Universe Championship series. So that is yeah. uh, you know, same same year, but um just a, a you know a spin-off of that. So this one should say Fleer Metal Champion Metal Universe Championship. It's just not on on the label, but that's what it's from. So very cool. Yes, PMG base cards. Uh, yeah, I agree with you, Jeff. They are beautiful cards. Simon says the one on the right is Metal Universe Championship. There we go. Jordan knows the info too. Carlos, have you been moonlighting with Jeremy on overlays? Okay, so there we go with that. All right, guys. Next up on the agenda is the Sports Cards Live Five. There it is, another overlay. So we're gonna we're gonna jump into this. I got to find the questions. We'll start off, Jordan. What is your the favorite card you have in your in your PC? Well, it comes from uh, the journey, right? The journey of starting with base cards as a kid, uh, and and what this card represents is is kind of getting to a, a kind of a crowning level as a collector. And so this is the green PMG Brett Favre, which um, is fun. I know I, I met Brett Favre, and he actually held it, and and I talked to him about it. Um, <laughs> This is actually jersey number four of of 15. So, um, you know, to have not only a PMG where there's only 15 that were created, but to, to also have his jersey number, uh, I actually, you know, I'm biased, of course, but I think this is the best card of Brett Favre ever produced. So um, what this represents is, you know, is really um, to go from, again, collecting base cards as a kid to now um, being able to have, you know, a lot of elite Favres is, is something that I never dreamt of. And I don't even think I knew about PMG greens when I was a kid, you know, just, just no internet. And uh, they certainly didn't have any at the, uh, the, the LCS or any shows. So, um, and again, to become friends with the arenas who have designed it and, and to, um, you know, be able to talk to them about it. And, and we'll touch on that on our episode um, is, is special. And, and I think um, I always say, you know, take time to reflect and think about, you know, how far you've come sometimes, because again, we focus on what we don't have when, we should try to focus on what we do have. And, and regardless of the cards, we have an awesome journey that led to this. But uh, yeah, I mean, what this card represents is is uh, is that journey to go from, you know, a humble kid collecting cards in Wisconsin, I should say with a humble collection, uh, to being able to have a, a collection I'm very proud of. And, um, you know, I privately collected far for, for almost seven years, um, you know, to not get sniped on some of the cards I was looking for. And so now I'm able to share more of my collection uh, and the green is one that uh, I'm very proud of and, and more importantly, proud to share it with other people uh, to kind of also inspire them to show them what's possible. You know, if you kind of keep working toward it. Dude, that is an amazing card. I love it. I got I, I got a little uh, trigger happy there and I, I showed the uh, the image there of Brett Favre actually holding that card that you have when you met him not too long ago. Really neat to have him uh, be able to put his hands on the card. Uh, you know, it's funny. We all we always say we love we love on card autographs because the player held the card at some point in time. Now he's not touching that PMG green because it's encased, but he's held that card in his hand. That adds to me. That adds a lot more to the card already. You know, as a as a collector, I think it's awesome. So very cool stuff, man. Question number two is: What is the the card that is your highest priority on your want list right now that is attainable? 
there's a few FARV inserts from the 90s that I'm trying to chase down. Um, I only collect FARV 1991 to 2000. Um, and so there's a, a Donruss Elite card from 2000 that is a, a dual auto um, numbered to 50 with Bart Starr and Brett Favre. So um, that's one that I've, I've had a chance at in the past. It's, it is attainable dollar-wise. Um, doesn't pop up a ton, but uh, that is a card I'm, I'm looking to add in the, in the coming years for sure. Okay, very cool. Next one, where, where's your favorite place to buy cards? I like doing private deals one-on-one, um, you know, meeting up at a, a coffee shop or, uh, or a, a public place is number one. And then I would say card shows uh, are, are a close number two. All right. Okay. There's two more questions. Um, we're almost at the two hour mark on the nose. And uh, so I'm going to ask you, Jordan, the first, the, 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 the question number four, and I might have to interrupt you when we get into the two hour mark is if you could change one thing about the hobby, what would it be? Uh, less greed, more patience, and more empathy. Hey, man, that, that's a great, nice, quick, and succinct answer, guys. Um, okay, so as you know, I like to keep the episodes to two hours. I don't mind when we go over, but when we do go over, we go into overtime. It's time for overtime, guys. Here we go. Let's keep on rolling. Jordan, what is your biggest hobby purchase or sale regret? Uh, so I'm a, a kid from Wisconsin who loves the Bucks. And I bought a lot of Giannis, um, a lot of base rookie cards. I, you know, I have over a thousand Giannis cards and several hundred rookies, um, a lot of cheaper base stuff, ungraded. Uh, I wish I would have gone a little higher end and a little more ham uh, on his his stuff that has risen to uh, pretty crazy levels. Um, even just some of the Prism stuff. And I, I do have like 14 select rookies and stuff, but I, I just wish I would have known and gone off my gut um and my love of Giannis and the bucks and just leveled up like you know might be able to retire if i would have gone gone to that level but uh yeah so Giannis, Giannis is is for sure that guy all right man well great stuff thank you for taking part in sports cards live five i appreciate it and uh let's keep on going because we got more comments there's still two more topics that i do want to get into with you so we're gonna we're gonna go we're gonna go uh deeper into overtime than we've gone lately but that's okay before we do, though, we're going to get to some more comments that have been coming through. Terry says, I am looking forward to hearing more about Jordan as an agent. We will get to some of that. Terry, Carlos, I do act as a technical consultant, but that one he figured out on his own, hence the abject, er the abject terror. <laughs> yes, Carlos did not help me at all with the overlays. Um, I did that all by myself. And I'll tell you what I did. I went on. This is just how I started all this stuff. I went to YouTube and I did a search for how to create an overlay in uh, for StreamYard, and i found a video by by some guy and the video was called how to create an overlay for StreamYard using canva and i'm like well that's perfect i'm already using canva for the for the youtube uh thumbnail so this should be easy and here we go i'm, I'm happy with them i think that looks good up there in overtime all right uh absolute this is looking good thank you so much 90s b-ball cards 4 of 15 is so incredible far fan here too that card has me speechless i know right right jake that card is unbelievable Carlos pokes some more fun at me. Now that he's found the buttons, he may end up pushing all the buttons. Uh, we'll see. I like to do one, one button every 10 or 15 episode for me. Every, you know, every so often I'll add in a new feature. Here we go. Terry Fortune says there is only one number four and it's not in football. He's talking about the great Bobby Orr. Obviously, some people wouldn't agree that there's only one. Brett Favre's up there too, but Bobby Orr is certainly a legend. 90, uh, uh, Amit says, fittingly, the green reps the Green Bay Packers hardcore. Yeah, that card is that card is beautiful, Jordan. Uh, uh, it matches your hat too tonight, which is great. 
Uh, so the football PMG numbering is different to basketball PMGs. Yes, in terms of the green, the first fifteen are the first fifteen are green, and then the reds are out of one hundred and fifty, I believe. So there's like one hundred and thirty-five reds. Then would that be right? Yep, that's correct. And, and I have the, the twin there as well. I know we'll show that, but uh, oh, beauty. yeah, man. God, those are those are just beautiful, man. Just beautiful. Uh, Aaron says, I love that response, Jordan. I'm not sure which question, but thank you so much. Jake is, uh, you know, yeah, three overlays, guys. Three, And I, I have one more in store for another episode. You'll see that then. Uh, you need sound effects for Sports Cards Live Overtime. Yes, I do. I'm not, I haven't figured out the whole sound thing yet, but we'll maybe get there. Sudden death. Now that's a trip. Hey, that would be fun too, right? Sudden death, the one we pass the two and a half hour mark, perhaps. Overlays and sound effects. I don't know if I can handle it. Appreciate all the I appreciate all the excitement over the, these overlays, guys. I, I'll tell you, I had a lot of fun some couple late nights recently doing that. Uh, Jeff says Giannis cards are a lot more affordable now than they were 45 days ago. Very true. Very true. Absolute. Mike says Jeremy's a little trigger happy right now that he found these overlays. You guys, you're on to me. You are on to me. And Jeff follows up. It's a good time to buy more, perhaps. I mean, hey, you know what? You're better to buy the dip than you are to buy the peak. That's for sure. Got to agree with that. Jake says, yep, much of the basketball market is seeing the usual off-season cool. You know, it's like I've said before, I believe the best time to sell cards is leading into the season or leading into the playoffs. That's when the that's when leading into the season, that's when everybody is hyped on all everybody has hype for their players. So everyone has high expectations for their players on their team. So that's when you see higher prices being paid. So great time to sell. If you're if you're a flipper, if you're buy, sell, buy, sell, the best time to sell is leading into the season or leading into the playoffs for teams who have fans who are expecting or hoping that their team will go far uh, with a playoff drive or even win the championship. Okay, keeping on going. Simon, what are Jordan's thoughts on Giannis keeping some of his one-of-one -one redemptions and other redemptions? you want to speak to that at all? Yeah, I'll just say it. we're not going to say too much about it just because we don't really know the details. So I'm not going to speculate uh, on how we got those or or if they were custom made or um, if they just were kept out of pack. So I, I don't know enough about it, but uh, I did think it was cool that Giannis uh, showed his collection. I, I know a few other guys, uh, other athletes have started to show it too. So um, I don't want to speak to it just because I don't know enough about it. Man, very, very uh... – <laughs> Very fair comment and very way, way to way to respond to that one, um, you know. And just my take is is similar to Jordan's. I do not know the details of what happened there, so I all you know. It's I don't want us to to speculate or or, or you know kind of cast doubt where it doesn't need to be. I will say you know if those cards were meant to end up in packs and they never got to packs for some reason, then I don't think it's cool. I don't think it's cool. But if that's not the case, then then it's cool if you got them legitimately. We'll leave it at that. Uh, Jake says, it's a great time to buy basketball cards for your PC. You know, right now, the hype is, is LeBron still has hype because he is on the verge of winning another championship. That is a big deal. There's hype for him. There's hype for guys on the, on the Miami Heat. For sure there is. You know, there was hype on Tatum after they beat the Raptors. Lots of hype, hype on Tatum. What's going to happen now over the next, what's happened over the last few days since he was eliminated and what's going to happen over the next few weeks as he continues to not be playing. And then, we'll, you know, it'll probably come down in value. There's just not as much excitement over the player. 
But once the next, the new season is announced and people are excited for that, for their players to start again, we're going to see another resurgence across these, across all the best players in the leagues, all the stars. Yeah. 90 says the red gives me the, all the Christmas vibes, Put the, putting those red and the greens together. That's something you just do not see that right there. Everybody, the fact that we have somebody to, yeah, there you go. The fact that we're seeing a red and a green PMG together of the same player from the 90s, and not just any player, Brett Favre, like a, a superstar, you, it's rare that you're ever going to see those two cards in the same person's hand. So soak that in, people. That, that's an impressive, impressive showing there. Uh, Amit says, the show has that retro feel. Just nice. Super nice. Well done, son. Thank you, my friend. I greatly appreciate it. All right, Jordan, two more topics I want to touch on. The first one is tell tell us tell the audience a little bit about what you're doing with your podcast that is called For the Hobby. What is your how did it come about? What's your vision for it? Yeah, so uh, as I started collecting again in 2014, uh, I started working toward things, and I, I had to set some goals because otherwise you're just spending a ton of money and and you don't have a rhyme or reason, right? And we've all got caught up in that at times. So uh, I wanted to write a series of books about the evolution of cards, 1980 to 2000. And I just started connecting with a lot of amazing people talking about that. Um, and, uh, you know, as I saw other people creating content, I said, okay, these books are going to be cool and they'll be fun. Uh, it's been fun to assemble the content, but a podcast is, is the latest and greatest way to share stories. And uh, if you can't tell by now, uh, you know, I, just like you love to talk and, and conversate and, 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 you know, and create energy, you know, I'm an energy guy. So, a podcast is a great way to create energy. Uh, oftentimes just shooting the breeze. Here we are over, you know, two hours talking cards and it feels like it's been, you know, 10 minutes. So uh, a podcast was inevitable. And so, uh, you know, the goal for the hobby is to connect like-minded people and, uh, you know, just bring people together and uplift the hobby. And uh, to me, no better way than to just share stories, tell stories and, and, and document my journey in the hobby, the great people I've met and, um, you know, and just find a way to talk about cards, have a reason to talk about cards more often and to share that with the world. You know, and it's wonderful, man. I mean, you know, if you have a positive spin on the hobby and, uh, you know, you're just out there spreading the good word, you're not you're not shooting anybody down, you're not attacking, you're out there keeping the hobby positive. I got all the time in the world for you. I want I want to see more of that. I mean, it's, I say that yet. I spend so much time uh, watching and listening to hobby content already. It's like how much more, how many more do I have room for in, in, on my daily agenda? Never mind that. I spend hours creating. You know, I do three shows a week. Like I'm, I'm putting out six hours of content a week just on this show. How much can I be watching and consuming myself? Well, I find time to do it. So uh, I, I, have, I, like I said, I have all the time for people like you who want to spread the good word, keep the hobby positive. And, um, and, and I encourage you to, to keep on doing it, pumping out your podcast. Um, I can't wait to, to hear more of them. So it, it's awesome. Um, the other topic I want to talk about is the one that we've talked about a little bit just in leading up to it is you, you do act as an NFL agent. What, what I want, what I'm curious about really is like, how did you become an agent and how did you find your first client? Yeah. So, uh, I, I always loved, you know, cards and sneakers and, kind of was always hustling and trying to find ways to, to make it right. We, uh, we didn't have a ton of money. We had all the love in the world, but growing up, um, we just had all the love in the house, but, uh, but I always knew I wanted to kind of make a better life for myself and my, my kids. And uh, I don't have any kids now, but eventually, and, and also just to kind of take things to a different level. So I always pursued sports. I went to college for two years for graphic design. 
ended up, uh, you know, after buying and selling shoes, um, dropped out of college, went to work at East Bay in marketing. So it's a, it's a catalog in Wisconsin and uh, pretty a national thing where it's kind of an iconic uh, thing here in the States and um, worked there for four years in marketing, was very lucky to uh, meet and work with Kobe, Michael Jordan, Kevin Durant, um, you know, just athletes I never would have dreamed of. And, um, you know, from there, uh, met a bunch of NFL agents and, and agents of all sports, actually. And uh, a few NFL agents wanted to bring me on board. They said, hey, our guys love working with you. If you're ever interested in that field, let us know. So uh, caught on with uh, an agency. Um, they have mentored me and helped me and kind of got me going, got me certified. And uh, there's an exam. So you take the exam. I passed that exam in 2016 and and um, it's put on by the NFLPA. Uh, and then from there, I uh, actually connected through with Harrison, my first client, uh, through a guy I met at the NFL agent exam. So um, he ended up not passing, but he facilitated a meeting. I met with Harrison. I flew down to Georgia less than 15 hours. I was there at three hour meeting and, and we talked five days later and he, and he went with me. So uh, in our agency, so um, unbelievable stuff. But I mean, when you pursue something, uh, you got to shoot your shot and you got to find ways to, you know, to get involved and network in that, in that uh, industry. And so now it's my fourth season. Had a handful of clients over the years. Our agency has ten to fifteen clients at any given time, um, and it's a tough business. But uh, but it is something that's rewarding and um, really based on the people you connect with. So Harrison's a great guy. He's believed in me from day one. Um, my first client, and has gone on to do great things. We got him a twenty million dollar contract last summer, and you know to be a 24, 25 year old kid, uh, you know doing well, kicking a football. Um, you know, making a lot of money, helping his family and, and his, you know, his network. It's, uh, it's been really, really fun. That's awesome. Well, congratulations on that. It's exciting to be involved in, in, in sports, right? It, it just, it just is. So, um, congrats to you on that. Do you, uh, do you collect his cards? I do. I do. So we, um, you can imagine the kicker's cards aren't, aren't the most expensive. Um, and so, you know, you have some of his, well, I'll just show you, this is, this is kind of a fun one. So, this is uh, I'm one card away from the 2019 Prism Rainbow, so this is this is you know 25 essentially of the 26 um, multiple golds. Uh, so here's the gold uh, vinyl to five, and then there's a couple of golds in here somewhere. Yeah, so I have like number seven. I'm trying to get the glare. Uh, so some golds, and then I do have the you know the only one I'm missing is the the green shimmer. So this is the one of one. Um, which is super fun to, you know, to try to chase some of those things. So, yeah, I mean, I, I've chased down some of his cards um, there. I've met a pretty, a few pretty awesome uh, Bucker collectors, which is cool. You know, they're Chiefs fans. And and so we've traded cards and um, built great relationships just based on, you know, based on Harrison and, uh, and his journey and everything. So we got to go to the Super Bowl and met even more collectors and people there. And obviously not a ton of, a ton of collectors for a kicker, but the ones that do are diehard. So, Excuse me. I have a pretty good collection of Harrison and, and I am the one card away, the, the green shimmer of two away from his rainbow on that. So if anyone out there has it or knows, knows where it is, you got to let Jordan know for sure. Um, that's cool stuff, man. Um, okay, let's go on to some uh, some show and tell. Unless anyone has any questions about that, I didn't see any come in. You want to shoot any away, we can come back to them. Um Let's move on to some show and tell, Jordan. I know you've got some wicked cards, and this is a sports card show. So let's show that. Let's show the audience some of your uh, some of the cards that you want to share that really show us who you are or define you as a collector. Sounds good. So I know you've you've talked about we've talked about Favre a lot. I showed the green PMG. Um, 
you know, being a kid, the base cards to now be, you know, being kind of an elite collector of a player uh, is always interesting to think about how your taste is formulated. So uh, I love some of the iconic 90 stuff. We talked about those inserts. So I'll just show you um, platinum medallion is one. So this is the platinum medallion from 97. And then I have 98 as well. Numbered are the platinums numbered. Yeah. So the first year, sorry about that. The first year they made 250 of them, but they did not number them. Um, that's 97. 98 is numbered to 50, uh, is, sorry, is numbered to 98. Uh, 99 is numbered to 99. Oh, cool. I like that. 2000 is numbered to 50. And again, this is, uh, you know, I love Fleer Ultra as a kid, so this is fun. Um, another one I love. Is, that one's die too, isn't it? Correct. Yep. So another set I love is, is, uh, Flair Legacy, which again, you know, all these Jordans are <laughs> astronomical. Um, Jordan and Kobe. Um, so to have the the football is nice. The stuff's been a little cheaper. So there's you know, try tilt tilt the top towards your your screen. That'll keep the glare off it. Yeah, tilt it forward. That's good. Yeah. So I'll just show you. I have all the the um, Flair Legacy. Uh, you know, Flair Showcase Legacy collection. I have all those. I'm not going to sit and show. Show all. I think you'll bore people to death. Um, but uh, so that's a good one. And then the PMGs uh, I have. I'll show those in a second. Um, the essential credentials. Here's 97. That's numbered to uh, 100. This one I recently picked up, and this is one of those moments. This is numbered to 57, and this thing is almost impossible. I mean, you just will not see this. I love those. I love them. Um, and then that's so that's 98. This is 99. Awesome. I do have 2000, which isn't the prettiest card, but it is necessary. That's Tom Brady's rookie year. Yeah. Um, this is 96. This is unnumbered. 97. We all know that set on um, the basketball side is gorgeous. Crazy. That's, that's beautiful. That's gorgeous too. And I like the green really uh, goes well with the, with the Jersey. Yep. 98. Oh, amazing. Beautiful cards. Wow. They are 50. And then uh, this is 99, which is numbered to 30 that year. And, uh, beautiful man gorgeous 2000 um also number to 50 and then these are two inserts that you know that were put out in those sets they're also rubies uh from skybox so those are kind of obscure but you know to have all these in one place i think is is pretty tough i've never met anybody that kind of has this kind of stash and then um you know i showed these from 97 these from 97 oh dude just we can just have those up we can we have a half hour show dedicated to looking at those two cards yeah, that's um, I do actually, the year before I have the, the precious metals, which is, you know, kind of when FLIR metal just first started, um, unnumbered, um, a little more common. Uh, I do have the 98 as well, which is a championship series, which you showed the Jordan earlier. That's number to That's not the base card. That's the actual, that's a, or is that the base? Um, this is the PMG. That's the PMG. I thought so. Okay. Um, and then I do have, this is a beauty that you probably never seen before. This is the one of one gem master from 98. No, I've never seen that. They didn't do the basketball. That's that's a really cool card. I'd like to get a better look at it because like, I, I don't know what it's supposed to look like. You know, a lot of these cards, you know what they're supposed to look like so you can create the image in your head. That one, that is fancy, man. That's got some cool effects going on. It's like bronze and then it has some squares and it. it's really cool. Um, and then the 99. So I have all the PMGs, um, oh, not all. There's one more 101 out there, but uh, this is BGS9. So, you know, this is, like I said, what this represents is super interesting to me, even from, you know, from inside this, 
to go from not even knowing what these cards were to kind of discovering them in, in the mid 2015 ish. Um, and then hunting for them quietly. So I wouldn't tell people I I'm on it. So, uh, Carlos, I, I did, I started far of cards and I'm, I'm kind of rolling that out, um, to share more of my PC. And I've had friends that are begging for some of these, you know, these whales to, to be shown, but I'm kind of rolling it out in the way that I collected cards. So, um, you'll get there a little bit on that. And you're rolling them out on Sports Cards Live. I think you said to me last night that you you haven't shown a lot of these ever. You're going to debut showing them ever on this show. So I think that I'm flattered by that, man. That's all. That's really cool that you just, that you're willing to do that on on the show with me. So thank you for that because these cards are amazing. I'm going to just show take a break for a second to show a couple of comments that have come in on that. You know, Simon put this up before. Simon says these cards are X rated, no doubt. Joe, welcome, welcome to the show. A little bit late, but that's all right. Great to see you. He says, cool to see the parallel universe of 90s football. And I agree because the basketball universe gets so much attention. It's so cool to see the football coming. And you know, you're probably familiar with, with Rodman, who's oh, yeah. who's a huge Jordan collector, very well, well, well followed on Instagram. And he's known for having like every I know him for having like every Michael Jordan insert card. It, it's amazing his collection. He's recently been showing some amazing football cards too. So football's catching on with some of the the big basketball collectors. And that's what I've been kind of trying to to see happen um in the future with hockey because we have some beautiful, beautiful cards in hockey. And I'm I'm hoping to see more basketball guys come over to hockey and see some of these beautiful cards and and Flex them on Instagram as well. Speaking of flexing, Building Buildership says a nice flex on the cards and welcome to you, Building. Good to see you tonight. Simon says the 90s rubies are amazingly beautiful. Have to agree with that. And then Simon says don't show them all at once. Got to keep them wanting more. Well, that's probably the strategy for Instagram. But here, what's up? You know, next time we have Jordan on might be a while for here. So let's see them all tonight if we can, Jordan. Yeah, I mean, that, that for the most part is Rubies, PMGs. I'm trying to think. I got a few dupes here, but but that I would say that's the core of what I got. I have thousands of inserts from the '90s, of course, but that is uh, that is the foundation of of the higher and far stuff I have. Well, that's awesome, man. Those cards, those cards are amazing. Um, we did have one question from Amit based on uh, working as an agent. He says, "Do you incorporate financial training for the guys you sign?" I feel that we need to teach finances more so that these kids have a nest egg to fall back on. Is it part of the program? Yeah, so there's uh, the NFLPA has a, a program where they have a list of certified uh, financial advisors that you recommend to, to all the players. So uh, as you're getting in there, you can uh, kind of guide them in that way. Very cool. Very cool. And question that came up earlier, I think it was Billy that asked it um, way earlier on the show was, do you ever talk about cards with clients? Do Are they aware? Are they aware of them? Do they complain about signing them? Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, yeah, they're aware of them. You know, they, they, um, a lot of these guys grew up around football when they were kids. So, um, they, they knew of the rookie cards of the guys that they watched. Uh, so there are, they're aware of them. They don't always understand. So I've, I've tried to, uh, teach and educate not just my clients, but, but other pro athletes. Um, because you just, a lot of guys just don't have the knowledge. They don't really understand, you know, how is this worth $10 and this is worth a hundred dollars or a thousand or, uh, even Brett Favre, actually, I was sitting there talking to him about it, and he said, oh, you know, what are some of my other cards? And I showed him some of this stuff, and and he's going, geez, this card's worth 30 grand. I mean, what? You know, he fake puts it in his pocket. And so, you know, that's kind of cool. I've actually been working, you know, kind of toward that with other athletes to try to educate them and help them understand. Um, oftentimes, they're not collectors. 
Um, but as you explain it to them, they, they actually, um, you know, are pretty interested because a lot of these guys are pretty curious guys, especially when it comes to their own brand or their own uh, existence kind of in their place in, in pro sports. Yeah. Cool, man. It's nice to know, you know, obviously we collect the cards. It's always interesting to get the player's perspective on the cards themselves and not just like having to autograph sheets of stickers or stacks of cards, but do they think it's as cool as we do? And you know, uh, there's a player I just saw on Instagram today. Uh, I think he's a football player. I can't remember his last name. I think his first name is like is Eldrick or something like that. And he was showing some cards and saying how, you know, you got to collect PSA or something like that. But he, I, I'm, I think he's a player because he had thousands and thousands of followers, if not like a hundred thousand followers or something like that. And he looked like a player to me. So uh, looked like a real big dude, big beard, big dude, must've been a football player. And, um, you know, it's just, I think we're seeing more and more of that now. And, you know, Giannis showing some of his cards, like, you know, it's becoming more mainstream. And I think, I think we're going to see more and more players wanting to get into the card game. Cause you, you've heard for years, you hear about players trading game use bats, trading jerseys, trading hockey sticks with each other. Why not just go get a, you know, you guys can afford it. Why not just go get a card of, of, of your favorite opponents or your favorite teammates or your favorite heroes that you look out for, you look out, you look up to, or that you modeled your game after, you know, do you ever, do you, you see that happening? Yeah, I think, uh, like you said, with Giannis, um, I, I want to say Hassan Whiteside had put some stuff out too, um, posting Gary Trent Jr. and, and, and some of his own cards. Um, you know, Harrison does have some of his cards. I've given him some of his own cards and, um, of course his family has tried to grab those, but, um, I do think it's going to become more common. I think it's, uh, I know if I, if I was a pro athlete, I'd own a bunch of my rookie cards. Yeah. Um, there's a, a, a pitcher, former all-star in baseball named Pat Neshek. And, uh, he's a huge collector of autographs and he trades autographs and he's got a bunch of his own cards, I'm sure. And, uh, he's a huge collector. So he's, um, super interesting guy and, and was a two-time all-star and, and, uh, has brought more attention to that. So I think you'll see more of it. I think as it's gotten more popular, uh, I think you're going to continue to see mainstream media, mainstream coverage. Um, I don't care if you're Giannis and you got, you know, millions and millions of dollars. When you see a card of yourself for over 1.8 million, you're curious and, and you're, you know, you're, you're wondering why. So I know LeBron has talked when, when that card sold so much, he posted and said, I have some of these. So uh, I'm hoping some of those stories get exposed. Um, and, and that's part of this is trying to get to the bottom of that stuff. So, I mean, it's a good point and, and it is something uh, I am hoping to try to tell some more of those stories here in the future. Right on. Well, yeah, as you as you find that information, you hear these stories from these guys, please share it with me. I, I know I, or come back on the show and let's tell some stories because that's super interesting. You mentioned uh, Pat Nishak, I think is his name. There's also uh, Phil Hughes was a was an MLB pitcher and he's got a, a YouTube channel called Phil's Pulls. Very popular. Tons of followers. He breaks. He breaks. Uh, he cracks baseball wax all the time. Okay. And then uh, there's another another one that was just in my mind. Who was it? Um Oh gosh, it's it's escaping me right now. But there's another, there's even another player I know who's who's getting involved in the hobby. So it's not just uh, it's spreading, it's spreading and spreading. And um, like you said, mainstream media is causing it. You see cards sell for four million, one point eight, one point nine. These players are getting interested, and they you know even Brett Favre slipping your card in his pocket. It's pretty funny, right? Um, Couple of comments here. Uh, Amit says, have a good night, gents. You both did a great job. We'll catch you both on Instagram and YouTube. Thank you, Amit. Amit will be my guest on an upcoming episode of After Hours, which airs at uh, uh, 
uh, 12.30 a.m. Eastern, that late Saturday night, 12.30 on Saturdays. Yeah, Phil Hughes, Simon. Phil Hughes, former Yankee pitcher, has a box-breaking channel and is a card collector. Amit says, heck, I made my own trading card. I stayed at all. I stare at it all day. Can you imagine being LeBron and looking at their own card? Woot, yeah, that would sure be fun. Amit's a heck, I, oh, same comment again. Amit is looking for an Amit's looking for an agent. Uh, Jordan, I you know, he doesn't play any sports though, so you guys will have to figure out what you can represent him for. Absolute, thanks for a great show. You're welcome. Brian, good evening to you. And uh, there was one other comment uh, that came in. Oh, Billy wanted to know, uh, do you have any plans to represent NHL players? He he saw that you represent some uh, MLB, NBA, NFL, Olympians, you and your you and your firm. Any plans to represent hockey players? Uh, no plans. Uh, it, every every league has a different um, – I would love to get into NBA down the road, you know, just knowing I, I, I'm into sneakers. I have one point had over 650 pairs of sneakers. And so doing sneaker deals and doing things like that, uh, I think um, would be really fun. Um, but every league has a different exam and a different kind of uh, regulations and things for agents to come into it. So, um, yeah, it could expand someday, but uh, no plans for hockey at the moment. Um, I'm going to stick to my lane of kind of what I know best. So uh, baseball, basketball, football are really sports I'm most passionate about. Awesome, awesome. Legion, a big round of applause. Thank you from that. Okay, so listen, man. Jordan, we are at the two hour, 28 minute mark. The shows rarely go this long anymore. They used to get this long, but um, we we can call it a night, but uh, we can keep going and, and chatting about a few more things too. It's it's up to you. How's your time looking right now? Good, I'm good. It's late, so we're, we're good. All right, what is building says, as long as your subscribers keep going up, I know things are heading in the right direction. Wait till you hit 1 million subs. Ha ha, wow. That's a that, that that that's that's a big number, big number. Adam Lefko has been flexing his cards live on NBA shows. He's on. That's right. We've seen that happen. So that and that's great for the for for just the the attention that the hobby is getting. Duncanino, welcome. Hey, Jeremy and Jordan. I find collecting collegiate football cards of my alma mater more fun than chasing NBA Hall of Famers because I'm able to curate more of my collection and it's way more affordable. Right. Collect what you like. That's what it comes down to. Collect what you connect with. So important. Oh, I remember what I wanted to chat a bit about, Jordan. Hockey. We had it on the list. I was going to skip it because we were running out of time. But hey, let's go for it anyway. So, I mean, I'm a hockey guy first and foremost. And you're an, you're a major NFL fan. You're a major NFL collector, Brett Favre specifically. Being in your chair from with your perspective, how do you view the hockey segment of the hobby? And do you see opportunity in hockey cards? Yeah, whenever, um, whenever a category is um, not fully maximized, right? Like basketball is just blown up. Football is growing. Baseball has always kind of been there. Um, hockey has always had room for growth. You know, there's always uh, – I've always loved Gretzky. I mean, I'll, I'll show you this and you know this, but um, I have some Gretzky cards. And I'm, I'm not a, a big hockey fan, but to have a, a Gretzky rookie is something that I wanted to do. So, um you know, it's, it's, I picked it up many years ago, I think 2014, right when I got back in. So, uh, and then also the, you know, when we're on the PMG front, this is, you know, the retro, but it is a, a card that I thought was really cool. Um, Gretzky was just huge in the eighties and nineties. And so, um, Gretzky is the Michael Jordan uh, of hockey. Um, you know, Connor McDavid is maybe the LeBron of hockey, right? There's, there's a lot of, you know, Sidney Crosby, there's a lot of guys that are superstars. Um, they just don't have the visibility. Let me, let me just jump in for one sec on that Gretzky, the red PMG you showed. You did, you did sort, um, you did qualify it by saying that you know this is the retro. 
It is the retro, but just to clarify for everybody, everybody watching, there were no PMGs in hockey prior to the retro, and the retro is fully licensed as opposed to the retros in basketball and football. So it's, it's to me, it's as cool as the 97s in, in basketball and football, uh, even though it came out, you know, 15 years later. Uh, so uh, maybe not quite as cool as if it came out in 97, but every other aspect of the card is as cool. So th that's a beautiful card. I'm glad you showed it. Sorry, keep on going. Yeah, no, I just think uh, I respect every sport that has really nice, you know, beautiful cards and that, you know, these designers and these companies are pouring energy into, you know, and, and Upper Deck has done a great job of listening to past episodes where, um, you know, Carlin and those guys are talking about what they're doing in the community for young people and kids and people who are maybe in need uh, of a pick-me-up. So um, love that about them, right? And, and um, you know, I've dabbled in hockey a little bit with just some Gretzky stuff, um, some Lemieux, just, just little, you know, cards that, uh, I just enjoy putting in a binder because I like having some Eric Lindros and, and uh, you know, and, and some of these players that uh, I, I did, Mark Messier, guys I, I saw on the cover of Sports Illustrated when I was a kid, um, and their stuff's pretty affordable. Um, there's room for growth. Uh, it's going to take some some bigger collectors to come in and, and start throwing down some dollars, making it popular. Uh, it will be hard for it to, to hit the tipping point. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's continuing to grow, and, and I do think there's um, – you know, the marketing of hockey itself needs to improve too. You know, there are some superstars like, you know, Ovechkin and Crosby that are mainstream superstars. You know, if you ask your average sports fan, they see the highlights, they see what's going on. We all appreciate a really beautiful goal on the sports center top 10, but we couldn't even tell you what the guy's name was. So, so, and, and there's a reason for that. It comes from marketing and, um, and attention and, and just continuing to try to win fans over. And, um, you know, without making it a novelty, it could be tough, but, uh, there's room for growth. Uh, I would love your take on it being so deep in it, being maybe a little biased, um, but talking to somebody who's not biased. I mean, I, I think it's a good platform to be able to, to banter about it. Well, first thing I want to mention is that, you know, you, you've said marketing it, you know, they have to market the superstars better, the sport better. And I wonder why an organization like the National Hockey League doesn't have Mar isn't seeing better results from their marketing and is it is it because the marketing department or agencies that they're using aren't doing a a, a bang up job or are the challenges just so so high and i think one of the things i came up in a prior episode was you know it would be cool if um if there could be like some big marketing campaigns by nike or adidas you know and and someone made the comment that well you know People aren't, it's easy to do marketing with running shoes because everybody wears shoes, but very few people wear skates, you know? So it's like, what do you, what's the tie in there? Basketball and shoes go hand in hand. Hockey and skates go hand in hand. You're not going to start selling branded skates to everybody in, in the United States who wants to, to get closer to the hockey game. So what, I don't know if the, if there are limiting factors that are making it difficult to penetrate uh, the, the masses from a marketing perspective, but I'll turn the question back on you because you are in marketing. You do you have a marketing agency as well as being uh, an NFL agent. You do you have a marketing business. You know what? And I, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but what do you think the NHL could do to improve their marketing and to overcome some of these barriers that are causing them to not uh, really reach the masses and have an impact? Well, when it comes to um, bringing attention to an entire league or the superstars of that league, just like basketball did with Michael Jordan. 
Nike helped make Michael Jordan larger than life and Gatorade and Wheaties and all these companies, you know, McDonald's and Coke that took Michael Jordan and made him a superstar. So even if you didn't watch basketball, you would see him in commercials and he was charming. He was interesting. Uh, I would argue right now that there's a ton of collectors that own Luca cards that have never seen him play a game of basketball. And, and so when you start thinking about somebody becoming popular, somebody becoming uh, a superstar and our league getting more popular to answer your question, if I got the brief from the NHL of how do we grow our sport? Well, you have to get a little weird with it. You have to get creative. You have to create these guys' personalities outside of the sport. Uh, and when you put them in commercials, not just, hey, tune in to watch the game on Saturday, but, you know, showing their personality, showing their weirdness, showing their, um, you know, becoming a YouTube star or doing something that kind of is a little more underground. I mean, you look at, you know, Dwayne Johnson, who was The Rock, who was a, a wrestler, and he's now become a huge superstar because he went into movies and he went into, you know, he, he bought into the XFL and, um, you know, and he's on Instagram with hundred and however many millions of followers because he gets on and shows himself. And, and I'll be honest, I've never even seen a Dwayne The Rock Johnson movie other than maybe Jumanji over the last five years or more. But I know who he is. I know what he's doing. He's got to deal with Under Armour. He's connecting with other athletes. He's posting selfies with, you know, with um, Kevin Hart. Like he's doing things that make him culturally relevant. Um, I can't even tell you the last time I, I saw a hockey post go viral where you're like, whoa, did you see what Sidney Crosby was doing? Did you see what Ovechkin was doing? Did you see who is this guy? If some player who I've never heard of is doing something weird or funny or interesting on Instagram, uh, you then know who they are, you know, and you're like, that guy's kind of funny or weird or something. I kind of want one of his rookie cards just for the heck of it. Um, I think you're you're up against that in a, in a new era because guys like you are, are getting older and you're you're going, I love hockey forever, but a guy like me, you know, there has to be something unique enough for me to even want to look at the guy's Instagram, let alone watch a game of hockey. Um, but here I am, like I, I maybe saw Gretzky, Gretzky play in a game twice in my whole life, but I bought his rookie. I bought uh, some other things because he's such an icon. Um, and if I see a hockey binder at a car shop, I look through it and I'm hunting for some of these fun inserts of some of these older guys from the 90s. But uh, to answer your question long-windedly, you have to do some interesting stuff that that gets people's attention in the mainstream. Um, you can't beg fans to watch your games, but you can earn their attention with creativity and, and fun and engaging things that make you say, you know, I may not mess with hockey, but I'm going to watch the All-Star game because they got some novelty or something fun kind of going on that weekend. Okay, man. I got lots of comments on that. So you said, you know, you you said uh, it might have, might not even make you want to follow them on Instagram, never mind watch a game of hockey. So I say this to everybody. Watch a game, watching a game of hockey. If you can get it, watch like there's good games and there's bad games. If you can watch a good game between two good teams, it's there's a ton of action. It's as much action as as basketball, if not more. I mean, these guys are super talented. They're skating around on two blades. They're stick handling. They're seeing the game ahead of time. Like it's it's pretty amazing the skill. So you know, and it's tough to convert people who didn't grow up on it. I, I understand that, or you don't have a team around. But I encourage everybody. Give it, a, give it a chance. It, it's a fun sport to watch. The other thing is what I'm taking from the question I put back to you in terms of how can we, how can we, how can the NHL better market their superstars in the game? I think what you, I think what you said in, in a single word is partnerships. They need more partnerships with corporations who will make them into household superstars, just like all those companies did with Michael Jordan. If they can get the right partnerships, that will help a lot. But to get the right partnerships, those companies have to be willing to pay money to endorse these players. And they're only going to do, I think it's it's almost a chicken or, and an egg sort of, sort of situation. But if some of these uh, companies start to maybe look outside the box and try and 
kind of uh, you know separate themselves from the other other uh, other companies that are only endorsing football, baseball, basketball players. They may look at hockey as a, as an alternative uh, p- potentially, hopefully. Um, okay, man, interesting stuff. Good perspective. I appreciate it. Um, but I think. Oh wait, I didn't answer you. You sort of asked me too. You know what? In my perspective, um, you know how can the hobby catch on more, not just in terms of marketing, but, you know, my opinion is that, you know, hockey is, it's been around as long as any other sport. First of all, it's, it's, it's got pioneers. It's got hall of fame. The hall of fame is one of the oldest hall of fames. The trophy, the Stanley cup is like the oldest trophy that's presented in, in any sport. Um, you know, I sound like a, here I am just trying to trying to build up the case for hockey, and I guess in, to a degree I am. If I'm if you if I'm ever going to be accused of hyping anything, it's going to be hyping hockey cards. I will hype because I, I love them. The other thing about hockey cards is they produce the nicest cards out there in terms of patches and jerseys. The colors are just amazing. Um, but you know, I hear you. You see a highlight on 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 ESPN, and it's like, well, that was an amazing goal, but I don't even know who scored it. You know, if it's not McDavid or Ovechkin, who was it? Right, so. Yeah, it all comes back to, to marketing. And um, it was a big deal when Gretzky got traded to LA in 88 or 89, whichever year it was, you know, that that was that opened up the whole Sunbelt to all these teams. Now we have teams, you know, two in Florida, you got you got Dallas, you got Arizona, you got what four teams in in um, in, in LA now. We got a team in or sorry, in California, we got a team in 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 Nevada, in Vegas, of course. Um, I think I think it's due. I think the sport and the hobby, the hockey segment, is due for a, a bit of a pop because we are seeing more teams in more places. We got Seattle coming online, and you know, next year, the year after, like things are things are starting to look up. So it'd be great if uh, if Wisconsin had a team, you know, uh, then then you'd be a fan for sure. Milwaukee, Mo, the, have they ever had a an NHL team? Or I don't think they have. No, the Admirals were uh, were. Uh... Yeah, uh, minor league team, but um, Minnesota Wild. There's a lot of Minnesota Wild fans in Wisconsin. That because it's there, it's it's actually. I live like 90 miles from Minneapolis, so I actually live closer to Minneapolis than I do Milwaukee or Green Bay or any bigger city. Okay, yeah, cool, man, cool. Well, it's interesting to hear your take on on hockey. So I certainly appreciate it. Uh, yeah, there's three teams in California now. Yeah, did I say four? You got Anaheim, LA, San Jose. I guess that's it, right? Now we got Vegas, which is pretty darn close there too. There are very few hockey commercials in California. Again, you know, well, what, 25 million people or, or more now and three teams, you'd think there would be a bit more. And maybe it's on those teams in those markets to better market themselves. Uh, Terry wanted to know, what was the grade of your Gretzky rookie that you showed? 1.5. 1.5. You hear that? 1.5. And he loves it. He's centered, that is. That thing's awesome. I, you know, for me, I just wanted a Gretzky rookie. I would have rather had a raw one. But I saw I saw 1.5 and I thought about cracking it, but it's it's like the old label. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Someone must have there must have been a comment about character here because um, let's just see. I'm just gonna go go right to. Did we get this one? Yes, we did get that one already. So we're gonna keep on going to uh, here. Brian says classic example of a character Dennis the Worm Rodman who kind of markets himself. And then Rich says, you know, it's so true. Traditionally, hockey players seem to be a lot more conservative, even when they're in commercials, often appear to be almost bored, except for P.K. Subban, who has a great personality. I think the NHL needs to market uh, Alexander Ovechkin better, more. He is, to me, he, he, he personifies superstardom in hockey. He's won a cup. He's 
he's an all-time great. He's legitimately an all-time great. One of the greatest score scorers of all time, if not the best. And he has a personality that you just love to watch the guy. He's funny. He's hilarious. He's passionate about life and the sport. So I'd like to see the market him a little bit better. Uh, Jake is going to sign off. Good night, fellas. Meeting in seven hours. Can't wait to join the party on Saturday. Yes, Jake will be my my guest on uh, Saturday night. Coming up here, follow his YouTube channel, 90s B-Ball Cards, if you're not already. Jordan, we've covered everything, man. We're closing in on three hours. This happened, it hasn't happened in a long time. So um, let's wind it up, eh? Sounds good. I got, I mean, parting words. I'll, I'll start with a few parting words, guys. I want I want to thank everybody for joining, for watching, all the viewers, all the listeners, all the guests leading up to this episode number 50. It's been a, it's been a ride so far. It's not slowing down. We are booked with guests pretty much into December at this point in time. Uh, episode 50, Jordan, you've been the ideal guest. This is a great collector's perspective type of episode. I got a text message earlier already saying one of the best ones ever from top to bottom. So I owe a lot of that to you. Thank you so much, man. You've been, you've been a great guest. It's been fun hanging out with you for two nights in a row. That's one of the best parts about doing this is getting to hang out with the guest two nights in a row usually. And we could have gone out on for longer last night if we had the opportunity. So thanks to you, man. Um, before we sign off, parting words from you, and then we're going to we're gonna call it and maybe wind down with some final comments rolling in. Sounds good. Um, first of all, I want to thank you for having me on. Uh, thank you for creating a lot of great content for the hobby, bringing a lot of value. Uh, bringing a lot of energy more than anything, you know, and, and that's something, the positive energy, but the uh, the curation of guests and, and the ability to challenge guests and ask the hard questions and, um, but keeping a positive tone is really great. Uh, I'm super grateful to be a part of the lineage of all the guests and and be a part of your show. Uh, I will say thank you to everyone watching, but also just thank thanks to everyone who's a good hobbyist. You know, I, I push a lot of uplifting the hobby and all these other things and and whether that's the case or not, uh, I am very grateful for for a lot of the awesome hobbies I've met over the years. Um, a lot of really great guys that have helped me assemble my collection, but also friendships and relationships that once we all get back to the national, we're all going to have beers and food, like you said. And um, these are lifelong relationships. This is the community's a brotherhood and and, and a sisterhood, and and uh, I'm grateful for that. And and um, you know, gratitude reciprocates. So uh, I know you're the same way. And so any, any hobbyists, thank you for being great hobbyists, um, for continuing to push, um, you know, others to get them into it and, and just grow this thing. It's been an absolute joy and, and the most fun I've had in, in many, many years over the last seven years of getting back into it. Man, I, I feel the same way about everything you just said. So I'm not going to, uh, uh, it's awesome, man. I, I agree completely. Thank you for those comments. So here we go, guys. We got Simon saying thanks to Jordan for sure. Carlos, you're still there. Awesome. Great show, guys. Thanks for coming by, Jordan. Thank you, Carlos. Rich, great show. Thanks, Jared. Thanks, Jordan. Thank you, uh, Rich. Simon, thanks, Jeremy. Be back for Jake on Saturday. Awesome. Can't wait. Andrew, how you doing, buddy? Congrats on number 50, Jeremy. Great show. And I thank you so much. Thank you so much. Building, great guest. Thanks, Jeremy. My pleasure. Terry, great show. Jordan is very educated and humble. He is. Jordan's a great guy. I, I, I'm, I'm proud to call you my friend now, Jordan. I, I look forward to, to seeing you in person. I mean, it's not gonna, it's, it's not gonna feel like we don't know each other. It's just gonna be like normal. You, you just know it, right? Uh, Brian Kingsley, well said. Thank you so much, Brian. Simon, congrats, congrats on 50, Jeremy. Here's to the next 50. Thank you, Simon. Really appreciate it. Joe, with some great advice. Pay it forward. Awesome, awesome. Legion, great stream. Thank you, Legion, as always. Jeff, could listen for another three hours. Great show. Thank you, Jeff. Much appreciated. Duncan Chino says, Harrison Butker is goat Madden kicker. Good show, boys. Thank you, Duncan Chino. All right, guys. 
Thanks again, everybody. This has been a blast. Episode number 50 comes to an end. I hope you like the new overlays. That was fun for me. Thanks again, Jordan. Stay right there. We're going to sign off. We'll see everybody back on Saturday with Jake Roy of 90s B-Ball Cards. Everybody, good night.